Captain's Hog, 21.5 centimeters. I'm Captain Britain. And I'm Wolfman Pat. These are the voyages of the Starship USS Elon Musk Twitter account, our ongoing mission. To explore new Trek episodes, to seek out old Trek, both cringe and based, and to, and to boldly, boldly go where ass is spread on all fours. Let's get booked. Trek, the show where two Trekkies ask themselves, pineapple on pizza? Hells yeah. Yeah, I don't see why not. Who I cares? love pineapple on pizza. It, it makes your cum taste better. <laughs> Whereas mozzarella cheese makes your cum taste worse. So mm. I feel like it's a real balancing act for your cum. Uh, pepper, uh, you know. How does vegan cheese make it taste? Only I've... one way to find out. <laughs> I got some vegan cheese in the fridge right now, baby. Willy, willy, wow. <laughs> um yeah uh yeah today uh we will be watching lower decks uh uh, episode 10 season three the finale of the season Mm -hmm. the stars at night but before that we are going to talk about what's new in the world what's new around us it's time for some motherfucking trek news we got trek news for you Wash away your blues, we got track news for you. What the fuck you gonna do? What the fuck you gonna do? Hey, in Trek news this week, Star Trek Strange New Worlds won a Saturn Award. Which oh is weird because Saturn is not strange or new, but it's a world. That's <laughs> yeah, true. So, I don't know, I guess it qualifies for a third of the award. Yeah, I mean, I think Saturn's the most aesthetically pleasing of all the worlds in our solar system. It's really good. I really love the rings. The rings rings are really a nice touch. Mm -hmm. uh, Weird fact. One of my favorite weird facts, in fact. Hmm. Sharks are older than the rings of Saturn. Wow. Sharks have been around longer as a species than the rings of Saturn have been on Saturn. Huh. Which is insane to me. Yeah, that's wild. I know, right? I jerk off to that sometimes. (laughs) It's really good. It's one of those things that is just like very just like kind of just like rocks your whole worldview. It really does. Yeah. You know, like the first it's really like the first time I smoked weed, like mm-hmm. on a mountaintop, I immediately like went from being a neocon to like a liberal. Mm-hmm. That just rocked my world. Uh, you know, and, and then, then uh uh then the first time you jerked off. The first time I jerked off. Mm-hmm. Um uh yeah. Uh, and also, you know, the first time I, f- I found out that sharks are older than the rings of Saturn, uh, that's when I came out of the closet. Uh, Most people don't know that. You want another w- cool fact that probably changed your mind? I don't know. Is it going to like make me trans or something? Possibly. That's like, cool. You know, I'm totally cool with that. You, Go for apparently, it. What's apparently, goats have been domesticated longer than dogs. No, not trans, but still non-binary. <laughs> close though, close, ah, almost close. Still have kind of some gender dysphoria. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll come to that later. Cross, cross that bridge uh, when I when I come to it. But um, pretty cool, pretty cool. Yeah. 
it uh, you know not as life changing as the sharks. Though. No, no, the no. sharks. Made, the sharks is a pretty big. The, one. the sharks rings of Saturn that made me gay. So <laughs> you know, I, yeah, you know, there's got to be a next step after that, right? There's got to be a mm-hmm. better fact that'll like progress my life and like make me even queerer, right? That's the that's the constant search. Yeah, it's like it's definitely. like it's like you know like when you learn something that just kind of just like forms that connection in your brain and not only does it like form a connection in your brain it also just uh, like connects to a part of the brain you never knew you had like a part of the brain you don't use so then you just gain all that stuff right right yeah. like there's got to be a fact that'll like give me a second prostate or something you know? hmm. yeah just, <laughs> <laughs> you only use 10 percent of the prostate right now you actually, <laughs> actually, you, 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 that's true humans only really do use 10 percent of the prostate yeah because i think only about 10 percent of guys out there actually are into like prostate orgasms yeah. you know like which is a real goddamn shame and that's the thing like or just like this 10 percent of the 10 percent of the feeling like once that connects in your brain then you're just gonna have have the full experience just right. like when you start to use more than 10 percent of your brain then you start to use more than 10 percent of your prostate I like that. I like, so, so do you think they say these are like, my completely unscientific findings? Like, <laughs> they, they say like certain drugs, like uh, you know, acid or mushrooms, will open up so you use like greater portions of your brain. Mm-hmm. Do you think drugs also do that for the prostate? Yeah, and I mean, is it the I same guess, drugs? I mean, like I guess like you know, fucking poppers. Yeah, poppers. <laughs> hey man, poppers will really open up your oh man prostate. Imagine if you mix poppers and mushrooms. <laughs> so, so there's actually there's a great chart online of uh drugs and like whether or not you can mix them and it was made by like some ngo or some like government organization mm. it's great so and it's actually super that... informative but poppers is one of the drugs on there hmm. and so it's funny uh because yeah. it's like poppers and cocaine don't do it you're which gonna means, die which it's lethal do it yeah it's <laughs> gonna be fun like yeah you're gonna die but you're also gonna come to death yeah. like so yeah you know really just like use at your own risk yeah right <laughs> <laughs> it could be could be cool if you like that kind of thing yeah i like to come and i don't like life so you know <laughs> whatever <laughs> if you survive it makes the whole experience more profound exactly exactly it's mm-hmm. like you know, it's it's the it's the old saying like, uh, "I want you to choke me so hard, I either come or die." <laughs> it's like it's uh, yeah, just, just like uh, what's, I, yeah, what's his name like from uh, Kill Bill? What was his name? Oh, oh, David Carradine. David Carradine, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. That's uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. He was he was in the closet in a different kind of way for, <laughs> for different reasons than I was. <laughs> He, he liked to stay in the closet. That was mm-hmm. his thing. <laughs> was, yeah, do you think the closet was part of it or was that was the only place? Because he was in the hotel room, right? So I mean, that's got to be the only place with a good enough, like, crossbar to yeah. be able to, like, support. I mean, yeah, like, because, you know, it's either that or, like, a ceiling fan. And you don't want to, like, do if, – if anything falls down, you want it to be in something you can close off, like a closet or something. You, you think know? if he was really into it, he'd bring, like, one of those, like, uh, pull-up bars with him everywhere? Why, why are you pointing to my door, Pat? Because you have a pull-up bar there. <laughs> are you insinuating something, Pat? No, 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 no. Just, you know. Just well, I, I, I am. I definitely jerk off while choking myself on that pull-up bar. I can't do pull-ups, man. <laughs> I was like, oh, Brett's really into physical fitness. <laughs> <laughs> I actually am really into physical fitness. <laughs> I think that's, yeah. Um, but I also do jerk myself off in the closet. So, yeah, yeah. You know, it's... uh. Yeah, the crossbar is on there, though. I have so many clothes on him, it's, like, difficult. I have to, like, make a whole day out of it to jerk mm. off in the closet. Oh, yeah. I know. Yeah, you got to take all the clothes out. And 
it seems like a chore. It seems like it's not worth it after a while. It is. Because the thing is, I'm, I'm like an exhibitionist, too. And mm. the, the thing is, like, my doorway there, although it's like, you know, there's two kind of, like, people-facing windows in between those those areas like it's not a good enough angle and it's so much in the doorway that like if i jerk off there and choke myself mm -hmm. on that crossbar there um that pull-up bar like no one's <laughs> gonna see me jerking no, off that's true that's true and so if i do it in my closet though like those oh. neighbors can definitely see me jerking off yeah which is why I always keep this window open. <laughs> and that's why every time you come in here that I see them just like put the put their blinds down. <laughs> yeah, and like one of them like gets out gets out their phone and like they put yeah. them on. <laughs> He's doing it again. Please send help. <laughs> yeah, just uh, just uh, record it and report it. All right, yeah. honey? Record and report. That's <laughs> record all. and report. That's, uh, that's all the cops said we can do, you know. <laughs> They're already on a list, you know. They and... die, they die, you know. <laughs> They swat me. They yeah. swat it. I'm just jerking off in the closet. Drop the penis. Drop the penis. Drop the hog. Drop the hog. I can't. It's too hard. <laughs> bang, 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 bang. No. I can't believe you came on my chief. <laughs> this... The grandma's boy. I don't remember. Oh, damn. Uh, I thought you were talking about Chief O'Brien. Uh, That's no. something I'd come on. Oh, Jesus. I, like, I can't believe you came on my mom. And he's just, like jerking off to the uh, to the action figure. And he's like, I can't stop. I can't stop. Speaking of action figures, <laughs> uh, since last week, since you got the uh, Barclay action figure, how uh, much have you filled the jar? Uh, it's about, you know, I've been kind of dehydrated. But, and also, like, what, <laughs> what, what? what what size mason jar did you get? And was it a mason or did you get a ball jar? Well, I have lots of... Or was of, it was it a used jar, like a man, a, a vegan ace jar? That, well, I have lots of jars that I've been, you know, making sauerkraut in. Right, that are very tall. right, right, right. So okay. there is, it is very tall. Like, the action figure is, like, the the action figure versus the size of the jar is actually very uneven. So are, are you trying to ferment this action figure as well? <laughs> Ooh, fermented cum. <laughs> fermented Barclay cum. This, this, I call this a Barclay kraut. <laughs> it's a, uh, let's see, cum and action figure. <laughs> Ooh, this Barclay falls off the bone. He's been fermenting so <laughs> falls long. Off, falls, falls off the macroplastic. <laughs> falls off the macroplastic. Mm. <laughs> macroplastics and cum. Oh. Ugh, God, can't only imagine. Ugh, God, that would be such a disgusting smell. Just like fermented cum. Yeah, but you, I mean, you make sauerkraut, so it's like, would it really stand out that much? No, probably not. Yeah. It already probably tastes like sauerkraut, who knows? I mean, I've been doing nothing but eating sauerkraut this yeah. week. Oh, yeah, that's not, you should get some pineapple up there. Put some pineapple on your pizza, bro. Yeah, I'll, get, I'll get a pineapple after this. Yeah, just, yeah, just go to the store, just pick up a pineapple, put it on the scanner. It's it's for my cum. It's for my cum. <laughs> this person scanning is it's like God. I haven't had. A I gotta call a manager. I'm sorry. <laughs> you get banned, yeah. <laughs> sir. You're you're banned from ever buying pineapple ever again. <laughs> we have your face. <laughs> the pineapple board has knows your name There's and your face. The pineapple <laughs> pictures at every register just says no pineapple. <laughs> no pineapple. Uh, yeah, we've been there. We've yeah. all been there. A tale as old as time. Indeed. Anyway, <laughs> Star Trek Strange New Worlds won a Saturn Award this week. Oh, yeah, yeah. Is what right. I was saying earlier this that week. Was a, that was a tangent. No, it wasn't. <laughs> that was only like nine minutes. Uh, earlier this week on Tuesday night, the Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror held its 50th annual Saturn Awards. 
Three different Star Trek shows were nominated across five categories for a total of six nominations for the evening. Uh, so the first season of Strange New Worlds uh, was the franchise's only winner of the evening, winning for Best Streaming ser- uh, Science Fiction Service ser- sorry, series, beating out Star Trek Discovery, The Expanse, mm. For All Mankind, which is the show that Ronald D. Moore is doing. Oh, I, never, I haven't seen it. Apparently, it's pretty good. Um, it's like they, I think they're like a moon based thing or something. Okay. Or Mars based. Um, hmm. Lost in Space, which I didn't even know there was a series going on. Oh, yeah. It's on Netflix. I thought it ended, though, like a couple years ago, didn't it? Uh, I don't know, but it was nominated. Um, huh. The Mandalorian, uh, which season two was. Uh, yeah, no, I, I stopped watching. Yeah, I was, the Mandalorian yeah. season one was awesome. Right? Yeah, I think I think a lot of its success was because it just took the plots from like samurai movies and spaghetti westerns. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, oh yeah, these are great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the Orville, New Horizons. Yeah, uh, I don't the watch last the Orville. One. Yeah, me neither. Um, on hand to accept the award were co-showrunners Henry Alonzo Myers and Akiva Goldsman, mm. very deserved, uh, along with actor Ethan Peck, who plays Spock on the show. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, Strange New Worlds, uh, and also Ethan Peck was wearing an awesome TNG shirt. Like, a, oh, was a he? Totally cool, like retro or like bootleg TNG shirt that was just sick as fuck. Oh, it's good that he dressed up for the event. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> yeah. It's the, it's the Saturn Award. <laughs> yeah, he's not nominated for a daytime e- or a fucking like primetime Emmy here or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm but a big set- believer in being comfortable. Like, I cannot. Yeah, and also like representing Trek. Like, yeah, it's cool. Like, yeah, you wear yeah. you wear the clothes you have. It's like. Formality is such a dumb idea to me, honestly. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I get like. And plus, there's no good like formal wear for men. I feel. I it's mean, all tuxedos. Th- right, right. I mean, there there is cool formal formal wear for men. It's just like avant garde stuff that's harder to find. Yeah. Like, and a lot of it is unisex anyway. Yeah. Like the the actual like if you look like uh you ever you know you watch Shit's Creek. Uh, not really, no. Oh, okay, well, like, there's some, uh, one of the characters wears a lot of awesome sweaters on there that are all, like, oh, designer yeah, yeah. sweaters, mm-hmm. and he's, like, always styling as fuck, but it's, like, a very casual type mm. fancy, and I, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, but there's there's cool ways to dress. It would be cool, you know, it would be a cool formal formal wear to have is stuff that looks like, you know, like, the, the uniforms that they wear in Star Trek, so, like... A, a, oh yeah, definitely. Cool, yeah, like uh, like British military type formal wear is a cool style of formal mm-hmm. wear that men have. It's just not played up very often. Excuse no. me, because it's kind of more like weird and avant garde now. Yeah. Um, but there's definitely really cool menswear out there. Yeah. Yeah, I would like to have like the 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 dress uniforms from Starfleet. <laughs> which, <laughs> which which era though? Like, mm, I definitely I was like talking looked, the maroons. I I liked uh, the DS nine ones. Oh yeah, with the so the jacket yeah. style, the jacket style mm-hmm. is really cool. I yeah, that they also yeah that they also wore in um Co- well, a couple of the movies. Yeah, a couple of movies. I think like probably plus three movies. I think. Yeah, they wore them for uh, yeah for Worf's. Uh, no, they didn't. They were wearing like the other naval uniforms, but the at the at the wedding, mm. they were wearing those uniforms. Yeah, yeah. There's uh yeah, and also the maroon jacket would be cool. I'd like that yeah, yeah. in black though. That'd be sick. Mm. All all of them would be sick as fucking black. I oh think. yeah, they would. I wouldn't like the bell bottoms that much though. I don't like no. The bell bottoms are dumb. Uh, and plus, and they would. I feel like they would. If you walk, they would always be like hitting each other. Yeah, right. They're, <laughs> That's they're not they, very practical pants. No, like, I would just like straight uh, jeans or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you would like them straight. <laughs> fucking bigot. Oh, all right. <laughs> Give me the gay jeans. <laughs> That's better. <laughs> All right. Uh, Strange New Worlds was also up for a number of acting awards, but didn't get any wins. 
uh, series star Anson Mount, who played Captain Pike, was nominated for Best Actor, uh, which would have been very deserved, I think. Yeah, uh, he did a great job. But he lost to uh, Oscar Isaac from Moon Knight, and Oscar Isaac is a brilliant actor. Yeah, he, so he's I, good. I, could, I didn't yeah. watch Moon Knight, though. Yeah, I, me I'm, neither. I, uh, I don't watch any Marvel <laughs> yeah. movies. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> Although, uh, something that, you know what, we're, we're going to take a quick aside and talk about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, this week, James Gunn and uh, like someone who he's worked with, another producer, a bunch, uh, were both put basically in charge of the DC universe. Mm. And so they're basically like the Kevin Feiges of the DC universe now. And mm. James Gunn, in my opinion, is brilliant. I haven't, mm-hmm. I haven't actually watched any of the stuff he's done for DC, but it's all supposed to be very good. Uh, mm. uh, Peacemaker, The Suicide Squad... The Suicide Squad, and also, um, uh, what was the other one? Uh, did he have uh, the, oh, he, uh, the he cartoon, did, the Harley Quinn cartoon? I don't think he did that he, one. He, yeah, he's, did, he's did, in it. He, in he, it? he oh. stars in it, yeah. James Gunn? Yeah, he plays himself. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, he, yeah, he, oh. he, yeah, he plays, you know, uh, he's making a movie about um, um, Bruce Wayne's life or something. Interesting. And so, yeah. James Gunn, like... I was a fan of his before he ever did any like Marvel or DC like stuff. Like Tromeo and Juliet. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. he, he was a director for Troma and mm-hmm. I love Troma shit. Yeah. Like um <laughs> yeah. Uh so and he's done some of the best Troma shit, mm-hmm. really. Like he's done some very fine work there. So uh I'm very happy for him and actually almost excited to see what DC does with their property because yeah. in my opinion, DC just has better superheroes than Marvel. Marvel's just handled them better. Like Batman and Superman are just like way better superheroes than anything Marvel's. Marvel has all the weird shit. It's like, oh, he's a, he's a, he's a spider or he's a, he's a weird hulky guy is all the science fucked him up. And like all of, all of DC stuff is like, uh, you know, it's, it's an alien and then a mad rich guy. And I'm like, that seems more reasonable. DC to me is just like more grounded. Yeah. And like, yeah, yeah, and they did do good Batman movies, mm-hmm. but like, uh, yeah, and Marvel life do feel is just like you know, just like a uh, military industrial complex shit. It is. <laughs> it's like, it is. Uh, and and I I I don't know, I I can't deal with all the like I don't know. I stopped watching like Guardians of the Galaxy, like mm-hmm. I know you like James, but like Guardians of the Galaxy made me just like swear not to watch another Marvel movie in my entire life. <laughs> it's just like Bummer. I'm I'm done. That's yeah. it. <laughs> Made you put a James Gunn in your mouth. <laughs> it did, it did. I was just like, that's the worst move I've ever seen. I'm not watching anymore. Uh, yeah, but anyway, so um, Anson Mount lost to Oscar Isaac, which, bummer, but mm-hmm. there's worse people to lose to, honestly. That's that's one of the best actors working in television right now, and yeah. even movies. Like, Yeah, he rocks. He's he's so good. Uh, yeah, like, if you haven't seen uh, fucking Ex Machina, that rules. he's brilliant in it Mm -hmm. it's basically like a three-person film and he steals every fucking scene he's in Mm -hmm. he's fantastic um but also you know uh that means a star Star wars guy beat a star trek guy Uh oh what are (laughs) Uh we gonna do about that what are we gonna do about that i don't know i don't think we can really consider him a star wars guy like that yeah he was was in the three worst star wars (laughs) three worst movies that have like just that have like had no cultural uh, impact or lasting on anybody no. like, like like people talk about like um you know last jedi sometimes but i don't yeah. think it's not like something that's like still like writ you know at, at the forefront of people's minds right and really like i think i feel more people are into uh andor oh definitely 
Yeah, I've heard I mean, lots more of good things. We know about. Like, yeah, <laughs> I mean, if you actually look at the numbers, like uh, Mandalorian is still, I think the their oh yeah rated the ba- the baby Yoda. Yeah, yeah people everyone. like the baby Yoda. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, so Jess Bush was also nominated, uh, nominated who plays uh, Nurse Chapel. Uh, oh, nice. But, but lost uh, best supporting actress uh, in a streaming series to Moses Ingram from Obi Wan Kenobi. Who's uh she was the the black lady uh, the I never I didn't see it. Oh, she was awesome. Mm. Uh and also she had like come under attack on the internet and like Anson mm. Mount uh like came to her defense like in a big way mm. and like was like uh putting all fandom aside, like, you know, f- fucking she's great. And also anyone who's attacking her is probably just a, you know, a bigot and a misogynist. Yeah. And everyone's like, Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Good job, Anson Mount, and that just made everyone fall in love with Anson Mount for a fourth time. Mm-hmm. We're, I mean, at this point, we've lost count. Like, how how in love can we as a people be with Anson Mount? Yeah, and, we, and also, lo- we love handsome Mount. Indeed. It, like, and also, <laughs> yeah, he's like, if you say, like, handsome man really fast, like, it's mm-hmm. pretty much just Anson Mount. Yeah. And also, it's, it's weird that, like, his last name is also what at least probably 75% of people on the planet... <laughs> Would what like, to do to him, yeah. Or or would let him do to them. Oh, that's true. With without asking. Yeah. It's free use. Ha- free use. And some mount or be mounted. <laughs> to, to mount or not to mount? Uh, to, to, no, to be mounted. Right, that yeah. is the question. Um, Tis nobler of the cocked. Okay, so, uh, so Ethan Peck also lost Best Supporting Actor to Elliot Page, who was in Umbrella Academy. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. yeah. Which is, you know what? We we love a uh, a trans bro yeah. uh, beating out anybody. Yeah, me and El- Elliot Page are uh, birthday buddies. Really? That's yeah. fun. Hell mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, you know what? Also, I, I hope, like, I just hope that news gets to Jordan B. Peterson, and he goes, No! <laughs> She's trying to kill God. <laughs> Did Jordan Peterson ever get his Twitter account back after that? God, I hope not. But now, yeah, <laughs> he might though. Now, we'll, yeah, we'll see. Um, so also, Star Trek: Lower Decks was also nominated for a Saturn Award for Best Animated Series, but lost out to Star Wars: The Bad Batch, which I've heard is actually very good, but I haven't seen. Mm, it. No, I haven't seen that either. Yeah, um, I don't have a Disney account. <clears throat> yes, uh, in a Star Trek coincidence, the award for Best Streaming Science Fiction Show uh, was presented to Strange New Worlds by Lower Decks voice actor Jerry O'Connell. Oh shit. And Next Generation's Denise Crosby, who played Tasha Yar. Oh, hells yeah. As well as Tasha Yar's Romulan clone. Are they, uh, did Tasha Yar do a voice in uh, Lower Decks yet? I don't think she has yet, yeah. to my knowledge at least. Yeah. Not that I they, remember. They should. Yeah, they should. I mean, because her Romulan clone's still alive in the universe, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, and, you know, that was only 10 years ago. So yeah, she, and she just kind of disappeared. Yeah, right? Yeah, she <laughs> could totally come back for, like, basically. So was it her clone or her daughter? It was like her daughter, I think. I thought it was a, but didn't they use, they stole her genes though, didn't they? But uh, she went, uh, she went back in time and then, um, and then uh, remember, um, and then uh, was, uh, fell in love with Shooter McGavin. But then she was kidnapped, but then she was captured by Romulans and then had a child with the, with a Romulan. And then it was um, her daughter. It was half, half, yeah, yeah, half, yeah, yeah, it was... half human, half daughter. Okay. I, 
for some reason, I thought she was like a Romulan clone of her. Yeah, she I mean, was, Casper, she was by pl- the played by the same exact person. Yeah, she, yeah, she, <laughs> yeah. Chashi Yar is like, well, now that all the people I hate are basically gone, can I maybe go back and go? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's fine. <laughs> um, so the Saturn Award ceremony also featured a nice tribute to the late Star Trek legend Nichelle Nichols, introduced by Star Trek movies writer and director Nicholas Meyer. Which mm. is awesome. Yeah, that's uh, cool. And yeah, we don't really hear a lot from Nicholas Meyer anymore. I guess he does mm-hmm. like interviews and stuff, but yeah. he's not like super involved in the Star Trek universe. Uh, he's not like at conventions on, on panels a ton or anything. So mm. good to see him around. Yeah. Um, it included a video from the International Space Station and NASA astronaut Jessica Watkins. Also beaming uh, Mm. via video to offer his congratulations and thanks to the Saturn Award winners on their 50th anniversary was Star Trek's William Shatner, Mm. who recalled his infamous rendition of Rocket Man (laughs) that was performed at the Saturn Awards back in 1978. Yeah. Beautiful. So. I wonder if he seemed a little more like... um, Happier now he's he suffered ego death being in the Bezos ship and then <laughs> oh yeah yeah oh god that's that's always fun so um, moving on in track news on heels of news that remains of Michelle Nichols will be headed into space on a NASA memorial flight along with those of Gene and Majel Barrett Roddenberry oh, hell's yeah James Duhan and Douglas Douglas Trimble uh, since so- I thought they already sent James Doohan into space. Uh, yeah, yeah. So they already sent uh, oh, 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 Gene, already. James Doohan and Dun- Douglas Trimble. Oh, oh sorry. Uh, and also, since then, they've uh, sent DeForest Kelly. Mm. Um, and this last week, we learned that the remains of uh, two more Star Trek luminaries will be blasting off into space. Mm. Uh, Robert Justman, who fans will remember as one of Star Trek's pioneers and Academy nomin- Award-nominated model maker uh, Greg Jean, who died in May, and we reported on that. Mm-hmm will be on NASA's Celestis upcoming memorial flight, dubbed the Enterprise Flight. Mm. They will be aboard the Centaur stage of a Vulcan rocket from United Launch Alliance. While the main mission of the launch will be to send a lunar lander towards the moon, the Centaur stage will continue into deep space beyond the Earth-Moon system. Fans can also add their digital tributes to those going on the flight. Hmm. Um, what do you want done with your remains? Uh, I always thought it'd be cool, like, um, to do like sand art with it, hmm. like just like have like the ashes divvied up into different little compartments and then dyed different colors, and then like people can just come up and do sand art with it and take it home. It's kind of fun. Yeah, it'd be co- it'd be a fun rule instead of a funeral. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I want uh I want them to like give my ashes to like a Safeway and just mix it in with like their lemon pepper uh, rotisserie chicken mix. <laughs> I just want a bunch of people to be really disappointed with the rotisserie chicken yeah, night because tastes, of me. This tastes burnt. <laughs> <laughs> I just I then just there's just like a piece of bone on it cuz like the bones don't I found out like the bones don't like completely burn away like they're just chunks. Right. I mean, you can burn bones away. It just takes a long time. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, you know, their lemon pepper mix. It's all chunky. They're never going to be able to <laughs> yeah, tell. Yeah, they're not like, oh, whatever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just I just want to ruin a bunch of, like, 
a bunch of family's evenings for one last time. Yeah. Yeah. And I have heard a story about how a guy like put his dad's ashes in a beer and then chugged it. So like I mean not all of his ashes. Not all of his ashes. I mean that's that's fine. Like they yeah. have Yeah. And also I had a friend um uh, a long time ago. She uh, we went to a amusement park together and she had like her dad's ashes and a thing around her neck. Uh-huh. And she lost it on a roller coaster. Sick. <laughs> that actually kind And of- she's like, oh, I got a whole fan of ashes back home. But I'll, mm-hmm. and I guess this will just be one of his many resting places. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Like a loop to loop at a roller coaster. That's pretty sick. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Although, you know, like just some maintenance worker is going to find it. Think it's like, it's oh, like, sweet, a necklace. Where he's going to oh, drugs. <laughs> yeah. he go, goes home and like <laughs> put, put, puts it in with his meth and like dies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, free bases, human remains. That'd Hell be yeah. sick. Hell yeah. <laughs> that's what I want. My Actually, that's what I want to be done with my ashes. I want someone to just like free base it. Yeah, I'll free base your ashes, dog. Hells yeah. You're definitely going to die before me. Oh, definitely. Yeah, we, yeah. Have, we have no doubts about that here <laughs> in this podcast. Even, even if like, you know, like I get really sick mm-hmm. and like I'm dying, I'm going to murder you. So oh. <laughs> I'm going to pay someone. I'll do, do the, I'll do the thing where I'll, I'll kill myself in front of you. So you can <laughs> <laughs> Just come to my hospital room. I'm on my deathbed, and you just bang. You just all for brain. you, Brit. All for you, and then just blow my brains out. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool, dude. Yeah, yeah. Let's do that. Then you got to cremate me really fast, so, just so you can. Oh yeah. I mean, I feel it's, it's, some bigger hospitals probably have cremation services right there, right? Oh yeah, probably. Yeah. If not, I'll just go to like take. You guys have a pizza oven. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I'll just throw you in a pizza. That's six hundred degrees. It'll yeah, Mamma Mia. Or or you know like you could definitely make it summertime basically anywhere, especially like equatorial regions. So Mm -hmm. so you know how they like um what what happens to bodies like in like New Orleans Mm -hmm. like uh so so they'll they'll make like you know big mausoleums basically. Mm that are all made out of like stone or like marble. Mm-hmm. And then in the summer there, it gets so hot that those things basically become like five or 600 up to like 800 degree yeah, ovens. Become pizza ovens. Yeah, basically. But they're that way for like four or five months. Ooh. And so if you put a body in there over, excuse me, the course of one summer, it will liquefy. That's sick. Uh huh. And over the course of a couple of years, it becomes nothing. Hmm. Because, I mean, the liquid just, like, you know, either evaporates or dissipates and, like, goes elsewhere. Oh, you know, and so, like reusable uh, mausoleums. Like, oh, exactly. No. And so, basically, like, yeah, they'll open up the thing after a couple of years and it'll be, like, a bunch of dust and then a bunch of stains where people once were. Cool. Yeah. So, really, it's summertime and anywhere, if you get, like, you know, like a metal drum or something like that, seal that up tight, put it in the sun, that's a fucking, I mean, it'll liquefy you in a, in a summer. Yeah, oh, and then you could like uh, have it like uh, fermented mm-hmm. and just turned into like some some pretty sick uh, whiskey. Yeah, so like some like grog. Yeah, <laughs> like human you know grog. You know what? F- fuck it. Next year, hot girl summer is canceled. <laughs> uh, liquefied human summer is <laughs> oh, on. Oh shit! Liquefied human summer is on. You liquefied heard it here. human remains summer. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, a hot new look. Hell yeah. All right, well, moving on in real news. After months of waffling and not, like, making tasty waffles, like the good kind of waffling, Mm-mm. like going mam- mam- namby-pamby uh, <laughs> with a waffling, uh, lawsuits in near miss of a full-blown trial 
when Elon Musk now owns Twitter. Yeah, goddammit. The closing of the $44 billion deal on Thursday night, which came after drama in legal challenges as Mr. Musk changed his mind about buying the social media service, set Twitter on an uncertain course. Mr. Musk has said that he wants to make the platform a more freewheeling place for all types of commentary and that he would, quote, reverse the permanent ban, unquote, of former President Donald J. Trump, who on Friday said he was, quote, very happy about the deal. <laughs> Here's what else you need to know about Musk's takeover. <clears throat> Twitter fire filed regulatory documents on Friday asking to remove its shares from the New York, New York Stock Exchange, effectively ending its nine-year run as a public company. As a private company, Twitter is subject to fewer rules and can be more tightly controlled by its owner. Republican lawmakers in Washington, who have denounced the platform's content moderation practices, were joined by conservative commentators in cheering on the deal, while some on the left were more wary. The top leaders fired shortly after Mr. Musk's deal closed include Prag Agrawal, uh, Twitter's CEO, Ned Segal, the CFO, Vijay Gadye, the top legal and policy executive, and Sean Edgert, the general counsel for the company. Some took to Twitter on Friday to bid farewell, finally. Mm. Regulators will closely monitor what changes Mr. Musk, Musk makes at Twitter, especially in Europe. A new law that passed this year in the EU could subject the company to fines if it fails to address problems like toxic speech and misinformation. Which I think is like the main reason why he, because I mean his whole like his his entire uh, worth comes from misinformation and inflating his stock price. Absolutely. <laughs> because and so this is clear. This is obviously just a way of him controlling that narrative and mm -hmm. and being able to more free, more freely uh, spread that kind of shit. Yeah, I mean he. This is just like I mean everything here has been an attempt from him at very clear market manipulation. Mm -hmm. And I mean, the SEC fucking, it's, and also whoever's the running the SEC is so fucking weak. Yeah. Like they should have like literally assassinated him at this point for <laughs> everything he's done. Yeah. But I mean, they won't. I mean, I feel like, um, I feel his companies are so tied into like, you know, just America's financial success at this point that they, that they won't let him fail. Cause it'll just be like another Enron or, <laughs> or, uh, and that's the problem because yeah. th then when like inevitably it has to fail oh, like yeah. Enron because it's it's a fucking it's it's a, a house of sand. It, yeah, it's not real. Like mm -hmm. the market valuation for Tesla is like 80 times. It's like what its actual mm -hmm. valuation is supposed to be. It doesn't yeah. make any sense. It, no. Because like, you don't see every motherfucker driving a Tesla out no, there. No, like, <laughs> like it has a market cap higher <clears throat> than every single actual physical car company combined. Mm -hmm. And actual, and every single car company combined, like produces hundreds of times more vehicles than Tesla does. And also, Tesla has less than one percent of the car market worldwide. Yeah, and also now that uh, that uh, other car companies are delving into electric cars, mm -hmm. like and yeah, their technology is fading. They, yeah, they, that's so, the only leg up they had, and now that they don't have a leg up there, 
Like, they're not the leader in batteries anymore. No. They're not the leader in uh, self-driving AI anymore. And their production, their manufacturing just sucks. Yeah, their manufacturing so, and their quality control is dog shit because, yeah. because maybe maybe because they're non-unionized. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, you and that's can't the thing, say the like, same thing yeah. about any other American-made car and anymore. That's like, and that's the thing, like, free speech advocate, you know, Elon Musk is very great at, like, um, stomping down free speech when people are trying to... Criticize him or <laughs> criticize and unionize at his plants, mm-hmm. and in and also they you know you know um, employees complain about racist uh, racist um, environments in his car and his car companies, mm-hmm. and so it's like and when you know people whoa, speak whoa, out whoa. they get racist, fired. but he's he's African, Pat. <laughs> he's an African man. Yeah. Are you being racist towards Africans, Pat? <laughs> well, South African. Oh wow, yeah. wow, Pat, you're really going there. <laughs> You but really also, he's Canadian. I mean, his family's Canadian. Yeah. He was born in South Africa. Yeah. Like his but. grandmother's Canadian, and uh, was one of the the people who brought uh, the practice of chiropractic. Yeah, chiropractor. Yeah, his, his uh, father, and I guess is like what grandfather was obsessed with um, the evils of Coca Cola. I mean, he's not wrong. <laughs> he's not pro- wrong. Probably had some wrong reasons. But also, he was a yeah, chiropractor, which is like the most evil medi- the medical quackery quackery that exists. I mean, there's like three legitimate things in chiropractor, and the rest of it is like dog shit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, like this whole Elon Musk thing, it's it's all bullshit. And I, and I do feel like, you know... It's not like anyone that's owned Twitter has ever been like ideologically good. Oh no, like, Jack Dorsey is a piece of Jack Dorsey is like one of those guys who's aligned with like Peter Thiel. Yeah, and they're all they're all they're all evil motherfuckers, but yeah, I mean they're uh, all the, basically the same kind of people. And Elon mm-hmm. Musk is friends with Jack Dorsey. Like yeah. they're ideologically basically on the same side. Mm-hmm. Jack Dorsey's just more neoliberal. Yeah. That's it. And what but I what I feel like how Twitter is going to change for the worse is I think it's just going to be you know, more ads and just basically become an NFT marketplace and a place to just have like just pyramid schemes and just, and also spread misinformation because I mean, for someone that's a grifter, like Elon Musk, mm-hmm. like, you know, you know, he's been super in NFTs right? and for something that, you know, requires, you know, no work and sells nothing, mm-hmm. you know, is very appealing to a, <laughs> to a grifter and like that, him. That's the thing too, is like, he's, he's a person who really care, but that's the thing. He doesn't really care about profit. He just cares about market valuation. Yeah. Because he doesn't make his money on any physical object. No. He's not so rich. He's not the richest man in the world because he sold the most cars. Mm-hmm. He's the richest man in the, the world. making the most value. He's manufacturing the most value. <laughs> Quote, unquote, value. Yeah, but, value, yeah. You know, you and I both believe in, you know, pro- probably something close to a labor theory of value mm-hmm. where, yeah. you know, I mean, obviously – the original Marxist labor theory of value is no longer totally applicable because especially in the digital world, it's very hard to really talk about commodities when with digital scalability and things Mm -hmm. like that. And so, so it's a little more complicated than that, but at the same time, there are jobs that are just fucking phony. Oh yeah. And basically everything in the financial (laughs) sector, like Elon Musk, he has made his money in the financial sector in finance and stocks, not in making cars or physical and, and, products, and, and, and creating and manufacturing this image of himself. Because mm-hmm. you know, if you ask most common people, like the, they believe that he is a genius and has done some sort of inventing mm-hmm. of some some Tesla or SpaceX products. When he has literally not, he's a he's a finance guy. Yeah, 
and but he's very good at because like you know he oh, and they they think he did PayPal too yeah he had he nothing to do with PayPal. nothing to do with PayPal no he had a, he had a company that did something kind of similarish to PayPal mm-hmm. that someone else built for him that yeah. he financed mm-hmm. and he com- uh, he he combined it with Peter Thiel's company and the tool that Peter Thiel's company used that Peter Thiel actually created yeah he's a smart guy besides I mean he's a Bond villain so yeah of course he's smart <laughs> he does have a very Bond villain name he, Peter Thiel is super Bond villain and yeah. he's, he's he's just like. Like, he is like the evilest gay man. Mm-hmm. He's like he he's a Bond villain cartoon person. Elon Musk also sounds like a like a Bond villain name. I think that's also why a lot of people assume that he is smart or like you know sort of like this because mm-hmm. his name is very interesting. Because you look at the first thing like <laughs> he's had a design a hand in designing it, it Tesla. It's the Cybertruck, which sucked, <laughs> and it's it's the dumbest looking piece of shit. Yeah, I've ever. Also, seen. I don't. Be- also, I don't believe he did. Like, I don't know. I feel like yeah. he's he's so smoke and mirrors. Because, uh-huh. like, also, like, you know, his like, you know, obviously, like, he's been, you know, quoted and uh, or like referenced in, um, you know, stuff like Iron Man and also like Star Trek, Star Trek Discovery, uh-huh. which which is like he bought those. You know, he gave them money for those yeah. things oh, because. He's very good at like create at manufacturing this vision of himself to mm-hmm. make people believe, and just just to just to grift people. Right. <laughs> and so he's very and so like when people so he does have people think he's like this this genius who is like who is like doing these things for the betterment of society and the better of humanity when he's really just increasing his own right his it, own profit. I mean, it, it's it, it's <laughs> the same with any rich person. It's just yeah. like Bill Gates. Like mm-hmm. Bill Gates gives insane amounts of money to public broadcasting to Mm -hmm. like NPR and shit like that. And so NPR literally just won't do any, any negative pieces on him. Yeah. Like even when like, you know, his divorce was coming out and like his wife listed his uh, association with Jeffrey Epstein is a reason for the divorce. They just avoided it. Oh yeah. They avoided that like the plague. Because... And that's why it's hard to find any sort of negative press about any of these fuckers. Yeah, and it's and it's because they have like this 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 amazing network where they yeah they control the news, mm-hmm. but you won't see like under any of these you know the things. Like I, I remember like, I was following interesting engineering mm-hmm. or something. I was because like oh you know I like you know that kind of shit, and I was like. But then, like they seriously, seriously, just became an Elon Musk propaganda Ugh. machine, and <laughs> it was just like, and just like, like uh, reporting on things that were just like demonstrably false, mm. and then, and that's the thing, like they, they, you control like the news, and you know, then now you, and now most people do get their news from Twitter mm-hmm. or you or know TikTok or TikTok, and so it's like controlling the source of those things, you know, and no. you just gonna have like you know. You know, everyone's going to be like, oh, Tesla's so good. I mean, there's, I mean, and that's the thing is like Twitter is good right now, or it has been for mm-hmm. like actual breaking news type stuff. Yeah. Like there's most legitimate journalists are on Twitter, like mm-hmm. doing journalism, like legitimate journalism and like keeping stuff like very up to date and mm-hmm. publishing articles and stuff like that, which is great because Twitter is one of the best news aggregates out there, especially mm-hmm. for breaking news. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it worries me that someone like that is going to own it. Although Jack Dorsey is not much better. No, I mean, it's it's just now Elon Musk is going to be pumping his other companies with this instead of just focusing on doing whatever the fuck Jack Dorsey. Yeah. And even, and Elon Musk is very transparently Mm self-promoting and, uh, and, and it's clearly in it for his own self gain. Right. And and um, but he has this whole whole veneer of like he's doing he's you know selling the idea of free speech, mm-hmm. which 
you know, doesn't exist. <laughs> like, I've, like free speech that only exists, you know, for, for, in its well, purest form for yeah. the richest people. That's the thing is free speech only exists when you have a lot of money. Yes. And so free speech is, is not free. As demonstrated by his workers who try to unionize and they just get fired. Right. Which is like, oh, you know, it's like, you know, the, you know, every single free speech advocate doesn't ever bring up the people who get you who are just like, you know, imprisoned, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, targeted by police, you know, targeted by like the state tar- and people who are fired by their jobs and mm-hmm. people are silenced. And Wait. it's like, but no one ever mentions that in free speech. It always becomes like this, this, you know, vehicle to do racism. <laughs> right. And also something no one else ever mentioned, you know, so Tesla used to be headquartered in California mm-hmm. and it moved to Texas because, and he said it was a freedom thing. Yeah. Uh, take take another guess. What a what another big difference in businesses between California and Texas? Gonna guess less union protection. Right to work state. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Yep. Texas is a right to work state, and so you know you don't have to be in a union there if you mm-hmm. if you can opt out of being in a union. Yeah, and so union you know organized labor is severely diminished in all right to work states. Yes, and in as much all right to work states are basically below the 50% poverty line mm-hmm. of the rest of everywhere else in America. Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, it's, it's the fucking South and fucking idiot red states. Yeah. And since, since Reagan, who, yeah, he definitely, like, led the charge against unions, and unions been, uh, and it, membership has been in decline. And, yeah, that's, and, so, even, yeah. Even though mathematically, workers only benefit from unions. Yes. They only benefit. There's oh, yeah. basically no field out there that is paid better in a non-unionized position when a unionized counterpart exists. Oh yeah. I was union. Uh, when I worked at UPS and was a part-time position, I was also working another job and mm-hmm. I was getting paid more at my part-time job. Than I was at my, at my, at my baking job. Wild. And so it's just like, and yeah, they, they really went to foot. They went to defended you and mm-hmm. protected you from, uh, from, uh, uh, being targeted by by the bosses and everything else, mm-hmm. like unions are fantastic. Yeah, unions fucking rule. Yeah, yeah. But uh, you know who doesn't think that, Mister Mis- Elon Musk, Mister Free Speech, and he's uh, he's promised <laughs> um, to fucking cut the workforce by as much as seventy five percent. Which also makes me think it's going to also just become more buggy. Mm-hmm. He's go- and, like. I, I do feel he's going to change it because he's always talked about um like having this idea of, of this of this like all encompassing social media that he wants to call X, which I think is a dumb name for a fucking anything. That sounds like a porn website. Yeah, it does. And it's I also, mean, I'm down it's a it's a good name for something, but not for a social media. That's too yeah. like you oh, need, we're gonna make something for everyone's sleek. It's yeah, you oh. need you need an icon yeah, it's it's very stuck in the nineties type thinking. Yes. And like um and it doesn't have, it's not an iconic, it's, it, it's a letter. Also, he <laughs> has a Model X car already. Yeah, and like, SpaceX. And because he's, oh, yeah, obsess- right. he's been obsessed with this, with having like a thing called X for the longest time. Oh, uh, also, uh, Grimes, his famous X, who's, <laughs> he's obviously still not over. What, uh, watch, he actually just got, he did it so he could read, uh, Grimes' DMs. <laughs> and was Grimes talking about my dick to Chelsea Manning? Not again. <laughs> not again. Not again. But, uh, so, no. But, Chelsea Manning has a bigger dick than me. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> but he's like obsessed with this idea of like, of like changing into this thing called X. And I know, I know for a fact, given like his 
rockets that explode, mm-hmm. his cars that explode, and t- tires fall off. Wait, <laughs> is he going to make an exploding Twitter? <laughs> He's going to make an exploding Twitter. It's an but exploding I social mean, media. I just mean it's not going to work good. I think everyone. I think. I think he's going to try to add valuation to because uh, I think he's want to want to he's probably going to dump it pretty soon after he gets it. I mean, I'm, that's what I'm guessing. I but mean, how, go- who who is he going to dump it to though? Yeah, no one's going to want to buy it from it's, him. Yeah, also like, forty three billion dollars. You know, forty four. Forty four is it's a lot to ask for. Mm-hmm. But I feel do feel he's going to add like ads, like way more ads, mm-hmm. like uh, NFTs as you know, and more way more like ways to scrape data and sell it I'm sure. yeah ways yeah ways to scrape data and sell it so i think a lot of people's personal information is going to be sold yeah. and he and also just like just more scams more grifts less right. it's going to be pop full of grifts yeah i mean there's probably going to be like four different levels to like a twitter verification like three that you can pay for and one for legitimate oh, yeah. celebrities that's the thing that's the thing free speech is now a commodity you know yeah. it's just like he's going to be like well you can have free speech for the monthly subscription of 14.99 or some shit so they can and I mean, and that's tw- what it's, it could go to. Who knows? For some, Twitter already is like my least favorite social media app. And the one that I, I understand the least. But at mm. the same time, I do kind of understand it. And it's it's weird because there's so many people that are like so entrenched. And you look at like who has a lot of followers on Twitter. And basically all of them have like five, ten-year-old accounts. Oh, yeah. You know, there's not a lot of people on Twitter. Like growing on Twitter is a long arduous process. Whereas yeah, I've only been on there like two years, I think yeah, it took me a while to get a Twitter account on other social media apps. Like, I don't know, like we've got, uh, you know, 1500 followers on our Reddit. Mm-hmm. We've got 2000 followers on Instagram, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like 500 people on Facebook. Like those have been like relatively easy. All I do is post content and people, yeah. people are attracted to good content. Mm-hmm. Whereas on Twitter, I don't know. I don't know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I like it mostly. Like I do like, uh, I think like some of the funniest people are on there. Like, yeah, yeah like... for sure. And it's, so it's good for like journalism. It's great mm. for like one liner jokes. Yeah. It's good for like follow. If you're into celebrity culture. And I guess that's the thing is like more than anything, Twitter is really about celebrity culture. It is. And so like, I had an interaction with Darude once. Nice. <laughs> oh, I, I, I actually ha- had an interaction, uh, this last week with, uh, Jeffrey Combs. I saw that. I was just like, "Fuck you!" No, no. I mean, I was, I, I was, I was, I was uh, jibing him just, just, yeah. just slightly because. Uh, oh, did I tell you my Jeffrey Combs story? No, no. But uh, yeah. so, so yeah, so he, uh, he was making fun of Elon Musk. Yeah, because uh, he he had a thing about the Cybertruck, and uh, Jeffrey Combs like called it like uh, trashy something origami. <laughs> and I just responded to him. I'm like, I liked it. But then I responded like, uh, uh, that's very disrespectful to the beautiful art of origami. And he was like, uh, point taken, uh, bad origami. And I like that too. So, you know, I had a nice little interaction, mm-hmm. just, just, you know, a little, little joshing around with Jeffrey Combs made me happy, made me yeah. like him even more. And I already yeah. love Jeffrey Combs. He's an awesome dude. He's a great dude. I mean, yeah. he's, he's a little neolib pilled. He's a little blue pilled yeah, on, I mean, on, on the Twitter, but you, know, you see that with every like everybody that's age sixty or over. I feel if they're like, yeah, he's not he's not wrong. Usually he's and he, he's not one of those guys who's just like vote Democrat, vote Democrat. Yeah. He's mostly one of those guys. He's more like a Tim Russ where he actually like talks about issues mostly mm-hmm. and that's it. And then if someone will is like Republican, he'll be like, well, Democrat though, <laughs> um, which I you know yeah I prefer that people are just like yeah both parties fucking suck. But here's what the issue is, and here's the right way to do it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but whatever. 
But yeah, uh, he's a cool dude. He's a pretty cool dude. So we love you, Jeffrey Combs, and we hate you, Elon Musk. Go yeah. suck a fucking dick. Actually, you know what? Don't get in your get in your rocket. Yeah, get <laughs> get in your get rocket. In, get in a, drive your Cybertruck into a rocket and then uh, shoot off to the Mars. Yeah, you you belong there. You want to go there so bad. We want you there more it's, than anything. it's wild. Like he's been such a public figure for so long that that a lot of his predictions and everything are just com- proving false and just proving them. proving what a grifter he is like he said 10 years ago we'd be on mars by now and shit like that and it's just well, like he said 10 years ago that we'd have uh self-driving cars five years ago yeah and they keep pushing the date back and like now other ai companies are like no we're ahead of them and like no we're and, still and, far and the off. fucking hyperloop bullshit is oh, what's is the what's, hyperloop is the funniest shit it's, it's stifling uh public transportation uh, no, f- we, we could have had high speed rail in california if elon musk didn't put up so much fucking money to stifle it through fucking hyperloop uh fucking yeah i think at the uh, actually at the same lobbying. time when he was like talking about fucking hyperloop bullshit like China had just started like their um their high speed rail uh building and they finished uh they've connected the entire country with high speed rails in and, 10 years. And they're moving to go through like all of Europe with it. Yeah. It's going to connect uh, like fucking Asia and Europe through high speed rail and they're planning to have it done by like 20 2040 or something like mm-hmm. that, which is insane. insane. Yeah. Like, they're literally they're doing what America has like theoretically promise they can do or whatever, what the EU thinks they can do. Mm -hmm. Like China's public works are so fucking good. And it's so fucking hilarious to see the xenophobia online. Mm -hmm. Cause like literally I'll just go and someone, a bunch of people on Reddit will be like trashing and being xenophobic. Like, Oh, fucking China's buildings bad building codes. Everything falls apart. I'm like, no, you're wrong. (laughs) Here's, here's like prove it. And I also give them like, you know, statistics like here's how many bridges have fallen in china here's how many uh bridges have fallen in america in the same period literally per capita like eight times as many bridges fail in america than in china and people are like well yeah that's because you're using chinese uh state statistics i'm like (laughs) yeah i'm using american state statistics too i'm using the information Mm -hmm. the data that i'm given that's how you go what the well, what am always, I supposed to use? They always America think, doesn't take fucking information on Chinese bridges. Yeah, there's this, there's this, there's this assumption, like you know, and like um, that. Oh, that Ameri- Chinese are liars. And it also, it's racism. And, and it's American, fucking racism. An American state, an American state media is also not completely sponsored. I mean, well, Amer- American media is not also completely sponsored by the state. Well, it's it's it's, it's sponsored <laughs> by oligarchs and the state, which yes. is the thing, and, and that's the which thing. The, which, like, they, which the oligarchs, you know, do and and for service of the state. Exactly. That yeah. Exactly. Them. And so people talk about you know fucking. Oh, Chinese state-run media. I'm like, do you know who your media is run by? <laughs> There's not a lot of independent media sources no. in the U.S. And you you actually have to dig to find them. Yeah, so like, yeah, it's wild. It is super wild. I mean, we just, I mean, we just got access back to the West Seattle Bridge after what four years, I think. Yeah, like, um, yeah, it's a uh, that thing was like when I heard like a. Uh, uh, how dangerous it was to drive on that. And I used to drive on that every single day. I was just like, oh God, I was playing with my life. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we all take a gamble every now and again though, right? Yeah. We all, you know, some, you got to know when to hold them. You got to know when to fold them. If you don't dance with the devil, you dance alone. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I think that's the quote about masturbation. I'm not sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's true. 
Is it when you dance alone, you dance with the devil? It's the, it's the greatest samurai that allows his sword to rust in its scabbard. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's a that's a, a poignant phrase I use to Except to, from the to, ex, samurai? to ex to explain uh, sec, sexual inactivity. <laughs> All right. Uh, speaking of lacking sexual activity, would you like to speak about the new Star Trek this week? Fuck yeah! All right. Well, we got the uh, season finale of Lower Decks, so let's take a trip down to the Lower Decks, baby. <laughs> Let's talk about Trek, baby. Let's talk about all the bad times, all the bad times. Let me be. Let's talk about Trek. Hey, Star Trek Lower Deck, season three, episode ten, the stars at night. That's it. That's the name of the episode. Are big and bright, deep in the. Nope. Okay. No. Uh, written by Mike McGann or McMahon, yeah. uh, the creator Vince of the McMahon. show. Yeah. Uh, Vince McMahon's nothing, no relation. No. Not spelled the same at all. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, co-producer of Rick and Morty, Solar mm -hmm. Opposites, all that stuff. The guy. The dude. And directed by Jason Zurich, who's done like half the season so far. He's the mm -hmm. guy who did DuckTales before this. Obviously mm -hmm. a very competent cartoon director. Yeah. Good job, Jason Zurich. We open on a first officer's log from none other than Jack Ransom. It says, first officer's log, stardate 58499.2. The Cerritos is in for repairs at Douglas Station. Uh, do you think that's named after Douglas Funny? Oh, it could be. Yeah, probably. It's, a, <laughs> it's the Honker Burger Station. Um, so honk, honk. After a, 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 an attack from the, uh, sorry. The Cerritos is in for repairs at Douglas Station after a pounding from the Breen. Mm, which hell yeah. I'd like a pounding from the Breen, if you know what I'm talking about. From Neil Breen. Hell yeah, baby. <laughs> no more butt. He's a sexual dynamo, as we've seen from his films. Ooh, oh my gosh. It's too hot to handle. Uh, anyways. Too cool to freeze. Uh, Jack Ransom continues. We took an even harder pounding in the media after one of the new Texas-class ships had to swoop in and save our asses. Captain Freeman's been called back to Starfleet Command for questioning. Mm. Questioning her sexuality, that is. High five. Yes. Not really. That's not um. uh, so Captain Freeman, still under scrutiny from the recent expose on uh, Federation News Network, is in the presence of a panel of Starfleet Admirals Star Trek VI style. Mm-hmm. Uh, who are convinced that Project Swingby was a failure, calling it a waste of resources. While Freeman tries to bring up that it was through Project Swingby that they discovered the Breen insurrection on Brekka, Admiral Wong criticizes her, saying that the unprofessional culture surrounding her crew made her unprepared for such a possibility. While Admiral Les Buenamigo comes to Freeman's defense as he sees the duties of the Cerritos as essential, and I think this is the first time it actually says his name. Yeah, his first name, yeah. yeah. Um, he also says that his new Texas-class ships are superior in ability without human error. While Freeman argues that they've not been tested, Buenamigo recommends the decommissioning of all California-class starships across Starfleet, and allowing the Texas class to do the essential duties of second contact instead. While Captain Freeman pleads that such a move would undo centuries of prog progress and exploration, 
Wong overrules her objections and says they will shutter the California class starships. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> Which is kind of ridiculous. It is. So, yeah, that was a little like, why Why would you shutter an entire class of starships, which includes like. Uh, based on one one action, one interaction. Yeah, because there's like 20 ships in this class. Yeah. Um, and they all have like full contingent crews. So, like, what are you going to do with all these people? If you're replacing all their jobs, if you're automating all their jobs, because it's Starfleet, which is a thing where like, even though they automate certain things, eventually they obviously find places for those people to do Mm -hmm. other things. Because, you know, we see that, you know, uh, going back to Enterprise, they do have a cook and obviously the cook's replaced by a replicator. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so those people figure out something else to do, I'm sure. Um, Yeah, it's a it's a thing. You know, it's not like like Starfleet is a job, but it's not actually like. Like you don't, they don't need to work. Yeah, exactly. Like it's like, a, it's a it's, post scarcity society. Yeah, so it's a like, thing you volunteer to do if you want to, if you yeah, really want to, if, if like, you care you think about that's, it. Yeah, your life's calling, or uh, I don't know. It always makes me wonder, like, why the fuck is like Reginald Barclay there? He obviously is not good with people. He feels <laughs> awkward in his own skin. Mm-hmm. He should be like, you know, maybe on Earth working on himself, mm-hmm. like getting into meditation or like doing some peyote or something. He has a need to engineer. I mean, I, th- <laughs> I think we all know he just has a need for the holodeck. Oh yeah, it's it, yeah, just like you just there's no holodecks at home, and so he's yeah. like, uh, yeah, that, that's a, that's a question. Do you think holodecks are like a really big thing on Earth, or do you think that's more of a yeah? Because I kind of saw see uh, holodecks as like a way because I'm sure like uh, being in deep space for long periods of time has some sort of like deep psychological effect right, on people right, right. cuz like not everyone gets to leave the ship when they preach planets like True. i always i always think about that i'm like there's a lot of people on that ship that never leave yeah yeah <laughs> so especially, like, especially in like TOS and stuff mm-hmm. like n- barely anyone except like the bridge crew and like a couple other people like security or whatever like typically don't go down to planet so mm-hmm. it's less like so those people were literally just trapped on there for years. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but at least in TOS, like it's only three years. In TNG, yeah. there are at least I think a couple seasons, like a couple of years, where they like literally don't actually go back to the Federation. Yeah, at any point. But, oh yeah, you know. But yeah. there, yeah, the, and like there are people, there are people on on the ship. Yeah, and I'm, I always and then, of saw course, the holo- Voyager where yeah, you know, <laughs> I always years. saw holodeck as like a way for you know people to immerse themselves in nature when just like you know you know that human need or just like you know humanoid need to just like be around something that's like familiar and something and feel the feeling of outside interesting take uh i have i think maybe a more enlightened take on it it's for <laughs> masturbation it's just the way they masturbate in the future yeah 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 like you don't look at porn you just go and a, a minuet if you will Min, yeah you minuet you in choose there. your own minuet from the menu <laughs> at, if you know what i mean and you know or if uh looks like minuets back on the menu, boys. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. Uh, they wouldn't have known about menus. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it doesn't yeah, They're why really, would they have a menu? They wouldn't. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe maybe we're maybe we're making some assumptions about work culture. Yeah. Maybe. Like they, they could they could have restaurants. There could be orc restaurants. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't think that orcs have a restaurant. Cl- imagine an orc chef. Like imagine yeah. working. I mean, we kind of did work in an orc kitchen. We did together. Yeah, so we've been there. 
Yeah, we were orking around. Yeah, we were definitely orking, <laughs> listening to like metal and jazz and shit. Mm-hmm. And then like yeah, and, and putting like other lesser orcs on on a fire and cooking them for people's consumption. True, true. We did. Yeah. We did eat a lot. We did fire up a lot of orcs there for sure. So, uh, opening credits, uh, one minute and forty two seconds. Very short, cold open here. Mm-hmm. All right. After that, uh, Freeman confronts Buenamigo in the hall, saying that an artificial intelligence cannot navigate complex situations like the Cerritos and her crew can, especially for second contact type missions. She argues that her ship saves lives as the Texas class does and will fight the decision to have the California class ships mothballed, which is like, there's so many ships. Why would you decommission all of them? Because one thing happened. Yeah. And, and plus like that's ignoring the, uh, usefulness of like a front facing like because that's the thing like starfleet are ambassadors to the fed for the federation Mm -hmm. and they are they are the people that go and uh provide a humanoid face you know so to speak to to the to to what the the federation's ideals and they they actually use people to get things done right and so it it would make sense yeah to have a texas class for something like warfare War, yeah warfare delivery yeah like it's basically like a a delivery drone 100 percent. yeah or uh, escort missions yeah for like you know fucking ambassadors or whatever or super deep space exploration yeah like like they they could no that's that's uh for the ship uh what's it called my dick (laughs) oh (laughs) yeah Yeah. Hitting the back walls of space. Deep space eight and a half. <laughs> but yeah, imagine if we, because like, yeah, there is an application for them. Because imagine if we just had like a, you know, um, one of those Texas class ships just going in, in direction of, of deep space and just leaving um, subspace transmitters as they go. Right. And then like. That's a good point. Yeah. Or yeah, like some kind of subspace relay stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, I'm sure but, they have something like that. But though. yeah, just to, but just automatically, uh, automatically like just like just throw away like an entire, pretty much their whole enti- entire ideology of of, of uh, people coming together mm-hmm. and and forming this like feder f- this federation of planets and then like and spre- and doing like space and that's you know uh, exploration. And science on faraway land, on faraway planets, like that's the whole point of of Starfleet. Like, why would you win that? Yeah, the story, the plot. Yeah, plot. The uh, plot. The plot requires it. Yeah. So Freeman uh, says she also hopes to keep the decision private from her crew until a final decision is made. However, it doesn't take long for the news to spread, and before long, Ensign Boimler is replaying the information to both Devon Attendi and Samantha Rutherford. As he heard from Hans, the towel guy, mm. who finally has a name, uh, who apparently is the gossip king and who's never wrong. Um, so, I, I definitely have one of those guys. He doesn't wear a towel, towel but he, he, uh, in my job, like he always somehow knows all the gossip that's happening. And he's always interesting. right. That's yeah, pretty he's, cool. he's definitely the gossip king. That's hell, hell yeah. We love that. <laughs> Uh, Boimler and Tendi get anxious as Boimler doesn't wish to be potentially reassigned to an outpost. And Tendi is fearful this will mean an end to her senior science officer training. Rutherford, on the other hand, is uh, very intrigued by the design of the Texas-class ships, and more specifically, the coding. Yeah. Um, They ponder how the bridge crew is taking it, prompting Boimler to impersonate Dr. Tiana first, and uh, then they ask him to do Ransom, uh, which he does really well, and Mm -hmm. uh, then Lieutenant Shax. However... As he's impersonating Shax, Shax enters the room to ask if Boimler can fix his phaser and gets offended 
at Boimler's impersonation. <laughs> Thinking Boimler sees him as a joke, he runs off crying. Not wanting a senior officer to hate him before they're decommissioned, Boimler rushes after him to apologize. As he runs off, Tendi and Rutherford reminisce about Mariner, regretting that they're not more supportive upon her transfer to Starbase 80 and hope that she's okay. Having joined the Independent Archaeologists Guild and Petra Aberdeen, Mariner is in the midst of grabbing a golden idol, Indiana Jones style, while being pursued by Ferengi grave robbers <laughs> in an ancient temple, which I mean, she's kind of a grave robber too though, right? Yeah. That's, I mean, it's, it's either she gets it or the Ferengi get it, which means if they're grave robbers, she kind of is also. Yeah. It's like, does this planet still have a civilization yeah. that would want their own artifacts? Cause like, I don't know. I, one time I read this book that was pretty fascinating on like, um, on like how uh, on the how people are looting Peru for its artifacts, mm -hmm. and like how like like Peruvians don't like are just losing so much of their culture because it's like either being sold on the black market or going to overseas uh, so, museums. So there's that, and that's the thing too. It's like even if the culture has died out, like is it okay to disrespect the wishes of the dead? Yeah, I mean, which I think it is. Yeah. Uh, but you know, a lot of people do respect like the wishes of the dead. And so for them, that should be a real moral argument. Mm -hmm. I think it's okay. Like once I'm dead, like fucking do whatever you want with my body. Yeah, I think that's just throw me in the trash. Well, no, like do, do something like funny and crazy with it. Like throw me in a jet engine. I think that would be funny. <laughs> At a child's birthday party. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, or like throw me uh, like in one of the blue angels engines at like an air show. That would be cool as hell. Did you ever hear that story? Like a guy sued the, um, the American military because, uh, he, he donated his mother's body to science uh -huh. and he thought like, um, like she would just be used for some medical testing and they stuff. Probably blew her up. Yeah, they blew. They, they strapped her to a chair and blew her up. That rocks. <laughs> and he found out, and he and he sued them. It was so awesome. I'd be like, listen, you got to pay me twenty million dollars, mm -hmm. or can I have a video to jerk off to? <laughs> hey, but I actually think you can't make money off of human bodies. Like, but only the people that you sell, I guess you know, donate them to can. Weird. Which is kind of fucked up. It is. <laughs> like, but like, you know, he sold it to the medical side, and then they made money selling it to the military. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. You know what? I should try to be a, a body dealer. Mm. And I, like black market body dealer? Yeah, and then, and then that way it can be like, I traffic humans, and people are like, Jesus, that's not okay. And I'm like, no, that's it's actually pretty cool. <laughs> it's, it's actually trust. pretty rad. Yeah. They're not alive or anything. <laughs> when I lived in uh, Baltimore, like, uh, there was like a... A black metal uh, record store that opened uh, beneath me, mm -hmm. beneath our apartment, and the dude had a human skull. Cool. And he just had like a real human skull that he had at in his store, and I'm like, he never said how he got it. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Yeah, that that's very black metal record store of him. Yeah, <laughs> black metal record stores are weird, man. I don't yeah. understand how they remain open. They just do that. Yeah, it didn't stay open for long. Oh, there you go. That's why. Yeah, what did it become? It became. Oh yeah, it became like a yeah the. Um, comic book store, and then I don't know what else became after that. Wow, the real black metal record store to comic book store pipeline. <laughs> We've all been there in life. So, uh, the Ferengi running after Mariner insults her for being Starfleet, but she claims she isn't, and he insists she's still a dirty human, which <laughs> she accepts. Yeah. Uh, before they can catch her, as soon as she hits a dead end, Aberdeen manages to beam her back to the ship with the artifact. 
Having successfully recovered the idol, they make ready to take it to the Quaylor Historical Museum. Excuse me. As the route will take them through the Bitrus Expanse, Aberdeen asks if Mariner wants to excavate a few extra temples along the way, to which Mariner says, hell yeah. Uh, as they head to warp, Mariner expresses how hague she is for a new line of work and takes Aberdeen, uh, and thanks for Aberdeen for letting her take her own approach to each job. And says the part she likes about it most is Aberdeen never gets pissed at her. Aberdeen tells her that as they're well funded, um, which made me wonder, what what do you mean funding in the Federation? What is funding in the Federation? Like, yeah, I guess someone has to give them a starship and shit like that. But at the same time, like, I mean, starships can like essentially be replicated, right? Like the only, mm-hmm. the only scarcity material in starships is dilithium, I think. I yeah. mean, there's a couple, but like really not many. Resources. Yeah, and like, uh, yeah, and, and it, is, it is weird. Yeah, like you know, there are humans that live outside the Federation that have to deal with like currency and stuff. So true. So I'm getting like, um, wondering if that's how why why she's like, oh yeah, you got you have to deal with money, you know. And mm-hmm. I guess you know she's very vague on how she gets it, <laughs> very vague, <laughs> or how they or how this make how this is uh, endeavor is making money for them. Mm-hmm. So uh, as they head into warp, uh, Mariner expresses. Uh, sorry, uh, Aberdeen. Uh, nope. So Mariner asks, uh, "Who's paying for their work? Uh, since every artifact they recover is donated, and they all need to pay for fuel and gear and their mm-hmm. whole operation, basically." Aberdeen patronizes her for uh, pretending to understand exactly how money works, mm-hmm. and then tells her not to worry about the finances as she'll handle them. When Mariner leaves um, to get them both some Romulan ale, she eyes Aberdeen in suspicion. Oh. Romulan ale. Also, the the idol, was that a Klingon? It looked like a Klingon to me. It kind of did, yeah. Yeah. Which is, it should probably be a return of the Klingons. Yeah. Mm. You know, yeah, it was like it was very. I was trying to wonder what the what what it actually was. Oh, and yeah, all I got was like Klingon vibes it from it. Horgon. It's yeah, a different, it was a Klingon Horgon. It was a Klingon Horgon. Klingon Horgon. <laughs> it's it's a it's a just a double headed Horgon. A Horgorgy. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> uh, so back at Douglas Station, Buenamigo is addressing other admirals that he understands Captain Freeman's concerns and offers Captain Freeman a promotion to fleet captain of the Texas class. Freeman declines, not wanting a desk job. Wong tells her that the Texas class does seem to be superior in what the California class ships are capable of, prompting Freeman to challenge Buen Amigo to prove his claims in form of a mission race, mm. uh, which she just made up on the spot. <laughs> While Buen Amigo tries to play down the challenge, not wanting to humiliate uh, Captain Freeman and her crew, Freeman remains steadfast, and the other admirals agree to let the challenge proceed. That's kind of like the John Henry versus, you know, versus the... Ooh, type the, thing. The, the steam engine. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Except. Ooh, you know what would have been better? Uh, uh, John Henry versus the little engine that could. <laughs> and, and he just hits it with the hammer. <laughs> <laughs> or, or after the end, like, fucking John Henry wins and then he dies. And, <laughs> yeah. And then the fucking little engine that could is like, did I do that? <laughs> Yeah, that that the whole John John Henry story is actually pretty bad. <laughs> if you think about it's it, it's kind of fucked up. Yeah, he, he like oh he beat it, but he died. Oh well, it, we're still gonna use the thing anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's like he he worked <laughs> he worked himself to death for capitalism. Yeah, the end. The end. Uh, and he didn't have to. He could have like been like cool. 
And they were like, oh, you have something that works faster than me? Cool. Can I like, are you, but, but then they're like, can I do yeah. something else? They're like, yes, it works faster than you. And uh, we're going to replace you and give you nothing for it. Yeah. That's it's like, a- boy, I've, I've been hitting rocks for you for the last 30 <laughs> years of my life. That's literally all I know how to yeah. do. Like, yeah, well, go fuck yourself though. And that's the thing in like a capitalist society, like automation is actually like, is, is terrifying. Yeah. Because like, cause it's you, it's used to deny people wages and jobs. And, and when it actually should be used to free people up from, you know, have, so people can have more free time, which it doesn't like, you know, and, and star and star Trek. <laughs> I mean, was John Henry about the horrors of capitalism? Cause it actually fits into a horrors of capitalism story very well. Yeah. Like, revisit guys, it. I haven't, I haven't really like visited that story since I was a kid. I should like, we should, yeah, we should do like a look at it. <laughs> I mean, this is tall tale cast. <laughs> this is tall tale cast. Hey, for some reason, soy trek offshoot. <laughs> we have no idea. Why are we doing this? Talk about the tall tales like John Henry and Paul Bunyan. Oh yeah. Speaking of bunions, <laughs> check out my feet, motherfucker. Um, <laughs> now this is a foot fetish podcast. <laughs> always has been. Always has been. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's, that's uh, pretty cool. Anyway, so, uh, the departments begin, um, eh, no, wait. So Freeman briefs her senior officers on, in her conference room about the second contact race, saying they will make multiple contacts with multiple planets while being timed and judged by the admirals as they are highly familiar in what they will need to do in comparison to the USS Alito, which is doing this all for the first time. Freeman believes they have an edge and orders her senior officers to their departments uh, ready as they will not only be representing the Cerritos, but the entire California class ship line. And they cannot fail. The departments began ruthlessly readying themselves for the upcoming task. Uh, though in engineering, Rutherford briefly gets rebuked by Lieutenant Commander Andy Billups when he's distracted still by the code of the Texas class ships, saying it seems familiar. In sickbay, Tendi is confiding in Dr. Maglimo about her fears of potentially losing her uh, si- senior science officer training. And as he reassures her, Tiana screams for them both to leave her medbay. As Ransom briefs Boimler and other command ensigns on how to properly swing a leg over a <laughs> chair, uh, Boimler sees Shax walking by the room. Wanting to apologize, Boimler catches up with him and begins to apologize, but Shax doesn't want to hear it and tells him to leave as he needs to focus on the mission. As he walks <laughs> away, he gets visibly upset again and weeps. Oh. Oh. For so sad. This, is, this is a good Shaxx episode. That is a very good Shaxx episode. Yeah. So outside Douglas Station, Douglas Funny Station, am I right, guy? <laughs> Got back, you. Motherfucker. <laughs> hey, Doug. Uh, that was, that, that, I'm now Roger Klotz on this podcast. Can you imagine if they rebooted um, uh, Doug and it's just like they're all Zoomers now? They were kind of zoomerish. Uh, they were. I mean, like yeah. fucking uh, what's his face, um, Skeeter, obviously autistic. Yes. There's n- there's <laughs> been no one more autistic on any program ever. <laughs> like, damn, dude. Mm-hmm. Um, we need we need Patty Mayonnaise back. We need all we need uh Patty Mayonnaise. Isn't, that's what I call it when they on the cream team. <laughs> like, hey, you got that Patty Mayonnaise going on on that pushy. <laughs> it's like a sandwich. <laughs> hey, you, you're getting your Patty Mayonnaise all over my Doug Funny Bone. 
<laughs> all over my Roger Knot, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I think that would instantly make it like uh, take it from the cream team to the dry team, <laughs> like almost instantaneously. <laughs> uh, here, here's a joke. What does Doug Funny call pork chops penis? What Roger Knot? <laughs> I like it. Yeah, it's not, it's not good. No, no, it's bad. No. Uh, it's a, it's a <laughs> joke about a cartoon dog's dick. <laughs> Outside of Douglas Station, both the Cerritos and Alito get in position for the start of the race. The doggy style position. <laughs> As Freeman and Buenamigo exchange a few final taunts to one another, Buenamigo uploads the mission parameters to Alito's computer, and a few moments later, Wong starts the race. Uh, Freeman immediately has the Cerritos go to warp, but the Alito remains stationary. Buenamigo lights a cigar in his office as the Alito asks if they should proceed. Buenamigo declines immediately to warp smugly, however, wanting to make it interesting by allowing the Cerritos to have a head start. The Cerritos drops out of warp in orbit of Galadorn. The away team beams down, skipping formalities with the Galadorians, and immediately begins building a small outpost and update uh, and begins to update outdated systems. Yeah, and they were uh, they were in the first season, weren't they? I think so. Yeah, I don't really remember, but they they seemed familiar. Mm-hmm. Um, it isn't long before the Alito arrives and begins transporting entire structures down to the planet immediately, skipping the building process altogether. Yeah, and again, like that, there is some good technology that they're introducing with that. Yeah, that but would it, be useful. Yeah, at the same time, you figure like if that was a thing, they would have rolled it out to other starships. Like, I'm wondering if it's if it if it was like technology that was like solely introduced along with the Texas class. But, but still, like, like that, why that's, would, that's something to adapt, adapt, uh, you know, fleet wide. Right, and that's the thing is like, in a military organization, you really wouldn't have like an Alito class being made separately and completely secretly and not sharing any of the technology. That's something the American military would do because they're fucking idiots. Not Starfleet. Yes, not Starfleet. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah, yeah. And like, but yeah, there is like technology and there, then as we, as we discussed earlier, there is a use for the Texas class. Like, but doesn't mean like, there's a lot of uses for the Texas class. They'd be great at a lot of things. Yeah. It doesn't mean like you would completely erase like the humanoid element. No, of, uh, definitely. from it especially for second contact that mm-hmm. so rutherford is still going over the alito's code is he seems very familiar with it just as they finish up uh as he realizes the true capabilities of the alito freeman orders for the pace to be picked up and they transport the away team back before heading straight into warp the cerritos then arrives at lt 358 uh, which one off from three five nine? Mm. Uh oh, an inhabited planet that is believed to hold no signs of life. Sorry, an uninhabited planet that is uh, believed to have no signs of life. Not wanting to lose their lead, Freeman orders uh, um, to have the team begin putting in their installation. The away team transports down and uh, works quickly to put up the installation. But as they work, Tendi takes a reading of the soil and makes a troubling discovery. As the Alito arrives and begins transporting structures straight to the surface, Tendi rushes to Ransom and tells uh, him that they need to stop construction as her tricorder detected a possibility of microscopic signs of life in the soil. As they meet to make sure that the life isn't sentient, they halt construction immediately to ensure their prior readings were correct. Uh, 
As they double-check the readings of the soil, Diolito departs the system and gains the lead. Tiana concludes there is no sentient life in the soil, and the away team finally finishes up their task. Tendi apologizes uh, for uh, checking the soil in the delay, but Tiana assures her that the soil's microscopic charge disrupts tricorder readings and makes it very confusing. As the away team returns to the Cerritos, it once again heads into warp. Their final task is to deliver supplies to Achmetic 9, a planet that phases into their dimension only a couple of hours a year. Mm. Uh, she hopes to catch up, and they call it a Brigadoon-type planet. Which, and where does it go Like when it's not? In uh, into another dimension, I guess. Yeah, but does that dimension also... Are they alone in that dimension? Could be the mirror universe or something. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, it doesn't really say. <clears throat> yeah, right. And you figure like if that happened, they would like maybe put a, a ship on the planet to like explore the other dimension at some point or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, like to yeah, to see. But what... they're only at second contact here, so this is the second time the planet has appeared for them. I don't know. Okay. So uh Freeman ho- uh, hopes to catch up to the Alito before the planet appears. Achmetic 9 appears, and while a couple of villagers await Starfleet's visit, and they look like they're on a very, like, medieval-type planet, Mm -hmm. uh, the Alito enters orbit and begins transporting the supplies down, much to the joy of the villagers. As the Cerritos arrives, the planet begins to phase out of their dimension, much to their dismay, they have officially lost the race. Which is, like, for that planet especially, why would you make them a part of a race? When they're only, like, you need, you have a very time-dependent thing that can be fucked up. Yeah. Like, and there's. It's funny that, that this, that just so happens to coincide with this, with the, with the uh, race that they put on. Yeah. That is <laughs> a little convenient. Uh, there is some convenient writing in this episode, yeah. which, you know, it's a you know, cartoon or yeah. whatever. So, um, you know, they've, they've lost, they fucking lost it. Uh, as he they're, revels, they're John Henry, they die. They did, they did. So they, but they actually win. win. Yeah, they didn't win though. So, as he revels in his victory, Bonamigo laughs menacingly in his office, smoking a cigar. In her mess hall, the crew of the Cerritos sits in a melancholic silence as the lo- uh, to the loss of the Alito. To the Alito, sorry. Uh, Tendi is beating herself up for having them pause their progress to check for life in the soil, but is reassured by Boimler that she made the right call and it upholds the Prime Directive. Tendi thanks them, but asks why the Alito didn't slow its own progress uh, if it was truly the right call. Freeman overhears this and praises Tendi for her observation Mm. and rushes to a ready room. Freeman immediately calls Bonamigo to inform him of the Alito's mistake in not checking the soil for signs of life. When LT-358... Uh, while LT-358 is a barren planet, the fact that Alito ignored the Prime Directive when there was a chance at life highlights a grim fall in the Alito's code, making it unfit for duty. Bonamigo tries to downplay this oversight, but Freeman tells him that she will need to report this finding to the Council. Which, I mean, that could that code could be fixed very easily. Right? Yeah. But also, you, like, you kind of wonder how much they can get because like the Alito can't go to the surface. Right, I'm guessing. So it's like, like how, like how accurate are the readings typically from, from orbit? True. That you know that that there are you know some could, readings you can it, only get it from. Could send down a drone. Yeah, I guess it could send down a drone. It's yeah. fully automated. There's there's drones and shit. Yeah. So back in the mess hall, Rutherford is still going over the Alito's code when he makes a horrific discovery. 
the code that Theodore runs on is actually his code that he wrote bum, bum. back when he was like the evil ish guy. Evil Rutherford. From earlier in the season. Uh, while the Texas class was Bonamigo's secret project, Rutherford recognizes the code as code he wrote when he was still in the academy, realizing that the memory he had of his accident was actually in part due to his helping of Buenamigo, who was a lieutenant commander at the time in the program. Rutherford remembers his participation in helping to design the Texas-class ships before his memory was erased, and is terrified because uh, this same code was code he used in his creation of Badgie, and mm-hmm. runs off to warn Freeman of his startling discovery. As Captain Freeman and Buenamigo, ar- uh, Buenamigo argue, Rutherford rushes into the ready room and tells Freeman of the corrupt code. Buenamigo, surprised by Rutherford's remembering of everything, says he should have killed Rutherford back in the day. He also seems to be surprised to see Rutherford in the first place. Like, he didn't know that Rutherford was on there. Yeah, which is something he probably should have kept tabs on. Yeah. Because, like, Rutherford <laughs> is a guy whose, like, memory he had wiped to keep his secrets and shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, uh, when asked about his actions, Bonamigo tells him that Starfleet's competitive nature got to him since you struggle to make a name for yourself when you become Admiral and you, quote, hit a wall. Freeman realizes that Bonamigo has been setting them up all year, from the negotiations to Deep Space Nine to the Breen insurrection. Freeman protests that his actions put her crew in danger, but Bonamigo only counters that the Texas class will keep other crews out of danger. Rutherford warns him that his code is corrupt and that its emotional processing is unstable. Freeman tries to reason with Bonamigo as she believes he is not a self-serving admiral and that he's better than all of this. Bonamigo replies that he is not in fact better than this before saying he will tell Starfleet that she attacked the Alito out of anger at losing the race and that the Alito was forced to destroy them in self-defense. Which they would have had on logs and shit, right? Like, yeah, and it's uh, it's interesting at this point. I feel like if they should get rid of anything, it should be Starfleet admirals because yes, <laughs> they're all evil. Every Starfleet admiral turns out to be evil, right? Like, <laughs> and, like, why do you really need administration for all of that? It's super weird. Yeah, I guess it's it is kind of like a uh, it's a very military structures. Yeah, and it, and at that point, I don't know, maybe it's kind of just like a, a, sh- a for show kind of you yeah know, just have like have like someone at the top you know so uh, here's an idea i like retire I like, him out of captains i like an idea of like maybe in starfleet future where like they no longer have a like a command structure but everything is like literally democratic like a one-to-one vote and mm. everyone who works on the ship gets a vote of like what they do in any action yeah that would be cool though i do i do feel they do have like a an open suggestion do but it's still a very traditional command structure yeah it's still very you know horatio hornblower Mm -hmm. it's fine (laughs) for something master and commander Uh, fine (laughs) we've already talked about it yeah we did yeah we have yeah we have so um uh bonamigo then activates independent control for the alito making it fully autonomous he tells the alito that the cerritos has fallen under enemy control and orders its destruction but it's the, interesting that they made it fully autonomous. Like, why? Like, like you get like it obviously was like effective. Like when uh, under someone's command, right? So, um, I guess he didn't have time to like program it at all. So yeah, you could still just be like, do this, and it'll do it. And maybe I don't know. I don't. Know. It's 
uh, convenient, right? Mm, yeah, convenient, uh, right. So, we need it to turn evil. Yeah. The Alito doesn't respond, but when Buenamigo repeats his orders, the Alito responds that it no longer takes orders from father. Uh, Buenamigo decides to deactivate the Alito's controls, but is locked out from doing so. Moments later, the Alito opens fire on Bonamigo's office, killing him instantly. Yeah. R.I.P. Bonamigo. Yeah. R.I.P. Bozo. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bridge crew watches in horror as the Alito proceeds to attack Douglas Station. The station's defenses are quickly overwhelmed as the Alito activates the remaining two Texas-class ships, the USS Dallas and the USS Corpus Christi. Freeman orders a red alert and has a distress signal broadcast out as the ships begin to destroy the station. It is always weird to me that, like, I don't know, there's so much America-centric stuff on all of this. Yeah. Like, you figure, you know, that's a united Earth, but, like, pretty much every ship is, like, a reference to, like, a Western concept or philosopher Mm -hmm. or place. Like, there's very, like, you know, you don't, you don't see a like the you know like the the USS Beijing or anything like that, and also even the USS. I know it's a United Starship, but mm-hmm. still USS is the call sign the United States uses yeah. for all of its ships. So it's like, eh. <laughs> like it should be FSS, like Federation Starship, right? Mm-hmm. Or you know Starfleet Starship SSS. Also, pretty much every star captain, uh, star uh, star uh, Star Trek captain has been from America, hasn't they? Haven't they? That's an interesting point. Um, I'm not. I'm not sure where. Like, I'm pretty sure. Uh, like, the only one I don't know, know for sure is um, Michael Burnham. I can't, I can't remember where she was born. Was she born on Vulcan, or yeah, I'm not sure. Or born in space, or uh, I don't know. But everybody, like you know, but everyone else is from America. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even. Even if you include, like, the non-show captains, like, I mean, I guess Chakotay was from a planet and, like, unincorporated in the, like, the neutral zone. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, that's weird. Like, pretty much all of them are from the U.S. Yeah. Which is crazy. Well, I mean, uh, Picard is French. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, what a dummy I am. Go go fuck yourself. (laughs) God, I'm so stupid. Where's Janeway from? Uh, Janeway, they, uh, you know where they have her statue. Um, oh, uh, oh yeah, Illinois or something. Yeah, yeah. It was like Bloomington. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Indiana, I think. Oh, there you go. Indiana. Yeah. Indiana, Indiana sucks. Why would you make? Uh, yeah, God, oh, my God, I got that so wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, everyone. Yeah. I totally forgot. I totally didn't realize Picard was from French. <laughs> from French. From French. From French. Okay. From no, the... I knew, but it just like skipped my mind. There. Right. Right. Sure. <laughs> dumbass, you're fired. Dumbass, go oh! kill yourself. But yeah, that's it. But Punkard's the only one. Yeah, yeah, that sounds, that sounds right. I'm trying to think of all the new ones. Yeah, you know, Michael Bur- Saru, obviously he was. Yeah, Saru's Kelpian. Yeah, but uh, still, he wasn't really like captain. I like. How about how about um like Michael I... Burnham was pretty much like the captain the entire time. <laughs> uh, Georgiou, where's she from? I don't know. Yeah. Mm. That's something to look up. I don't even know where Lorca's from either. But I don't know. Yeah, Lorca had a weird accent. Like, he's, like, I mean, he was obviously, like, a British guy doing an American accent. Right. I mean, he, he does it really well, though. Yeah, he does. But I couldn't place regionally where his accent was supposed to be. hmm Yeah. yeah. Um, wild. Yeah. I can't. They're all, all, all from America. I mean, and the actors, though, like, basically 
all of them are from America except for again Patrick Stewart. Right? Yeah. And I mean Lorca is British as well. Yeah. But wow, wild. Wow. Very American centric. <laughs> so on Quailer three, Mariner and Aberdeen are getting ready to give the idol to the museum, but Mariner decides to stay aboard the ship, uh, claiming to need rest. When Aberdeen leaves, Mariner goes to her computer, intending to find out who is financing them. Aberdeen, uh, Aberdeen returns briefly to get her punch card and is unhappy to see Mariner going through her private files. Mariner admits she's uncomfortable not knowing who's funding them, and Aberdeen relents, allowing her to look. Mariner proceeds and is shocked to see that at none other than Admiral Jean-Luc Picard is funding their efforts. Damn. Uh, and not someone nefarious, although... I don't know if you've watched Picard season two. That's <laughs> he does get pretty nefarious. He does. So, but this is before that. So, uh, Aberdeen tells her the guild received a huge endowment from Picard, and Mariner tells her that she believes he was hoping to find a reason to return to Starfleet. Uh, she was hoping to find a reason to return to Starfleet, wanting to do something for the greater good. This starts a brief argument between the two, where Aberdeen tells her she'd rather be an archaeologist uh, and serve on the Cerritos. She then shows Mariner a news feed of the Cerritos being attacked at Douglas Station, and Mariner jumps into action wanting to help her former crewmates. Unwilling to assist in such an unwinnable fight, Aberdeen pulls her phaser out, saying it isn't their fight to make. Mariner uh, teaches her that while Starfleet may just be an idea, the people who serve matter, and that while they may be only one ship, they need to do something. Mm-hmm. Aberdeen finally relents and sits next to Mariner as they leave Quelar 3. The Alito, the Dallas, and the Corpus Christi are continuing their assault on Douglas Station as the Cerritos waits helplessly by. Uh, as the Cerritos is there waiting for casualties, the USS Van Critters arri- Kitters arrives and attacks the three rogue starships. When the Sovereign-class starship proves formidable, it is quickly overwhelmed by the three Texas-class ships. Hoping to save it, Freeman hails the Alito and tells them that they have Rutherford, who has the ability to delete them since he is the one that originally wrote their code. The three starships immediately cease their own attack on the Van Critters and move to attack the Cerritos, saying, I will burn your heart in a fire. <laughs> Which, why did it keep saying that? I don't... That was like its line, and I'm yeah. Like, that was its that was its uh, catchphrase. I don't know if that was supposed to be like a comic motif. Didn't love it though. It was fine. Yeah. So eager to draw them away from the station, Freeman has the Cerritos go into warp, and the three rogue starships follow. The ships are opening fire on the Cerritos as it flees, and as they're all in warp, and Freeman orders for full power to the warp core. While Billups advises that the speed will put stress on the ship's struts, he takes the ship to its maximum speed. While the speed buys them a little bit of time, they realize it's only a matter of time before the other ships catch up, and Freeman asks for suggestions. Shax suggests ejecting the warp core, uh, though everyone starts talking over him and giving other suggestions. Ransom suggests dropping out of warp for a surprise attack, but the idea is useless due to AI being unable to be surprised. Miglimo suggests rendezvousing with the USS Titan, but they're <laughs> across the system. Uh, Barnes suggests modifying the deflector dish as a weapon, and Freeman asks Rutherford if she can say something to trap the AI in a logic spiral. But Rutherford tells her that his code is safeguarded against paradoxes. <laughs> Boimler then tells them to shut up and listen to Shax. 
uh, everyone stops and Freeman's like, how dare you? But then Shax repeats his idea of ejecting the warp core. And at first, while Br Freeman brushes it off, since it's what Shax always suggests, she realizes the idea is brilliant since they can use the warp core as a makeshift mine and drop it in the paths of the pursuing starships. Freeman authorizes Shax to eject the warp core, much to his joy. <laughs> uh, the crew support him as he rushes to engineering to eject the warp core and like clap for him and stuff. Yeah. It's actually, and the music is like very rousing. Mm -hmm. it, it's like, it's like a Rudy moment, basically. You know, remember yeah. the movie Rudy? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or a, a, a radio. You remember radio? I do. Yeah. Yeah. They were, he finally got what he wanted. And yeah, it was, that, that was probably the, my favorite part of the entire, uh, episode. When yeah. It he was, gets to it was very get, fun. giddily run mm -hmm. and eject the warp core. <laughs> yeah. so, uh, while the Cerritos is thrown out of warp immediately, the core is thrown at the three ships who detect the projectile mere moments before the core detonates engulfing all three ships in a massive explosion. Also, Yay. um, yeah. Wouldn't the warp core also be ripped out of warp? Wouldn't it also like follow the trajectory of of a of the of a the Cerritos? Well, the Cerritos like actually like steered. Okay. And so also without the uh, warp core, they still have some kind of power. They they just mm. don't have warp power. Okay. Because they still have impulse power and a couple other things. Okay. Um. So. With the Cerritos now adrift, Freeman asks if the Corps managed to destroy the rogue ships. Barnes confirms the destruction of the Dallas and the Corpus Christi, but moments later, the Alito arrives again, having survived the blast, and opens fire on the Cerritos. Out of options, Captain Freeman gives the order to finally abandon ship, but Mariner and Aberdeen suddenly arrive and say, Belay that order! Freeman tells Mariner to leave, as her one ship cannot stand against the Alito, but Mariner... Uh, says, nah, I've brought help. Just at that moment, the USS Oakland drops out of warp. Captain Amina Ramsey hails the Cerritos, telling them they have their back. When Freeman tells them that the Alito is too powerful for a California-class ship, Mariner clarifies that there's not just one, but all of them. Bum, bum. Uh, well, Freeman, when Freeman asks what she means, the USS uh, Alhambra drops out of war, followed by numerous other ships of the California class, um, including the uh, USS Merced, the USS Carlsbad, uh, USS Inglewood, uh, which is where Weird Al is from. Mm. Um, what is that right? No, he's from Linwood. Sorry. Oh, Inglewood man. is where from Snoop Dogg is yeah. from. <laughs> Um, that would be awesome if he was Weird Al was also from Inglewood. That would be interesting. Um, <laughs> so, among other... and of course Mount Shasta McNasty. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Also Mount Shasta. Yeah. Um, so and just like a bunch, like twenty different ships. Mm -hmm. uh, the United Star, uh, the Federation starships all open fire and quickly overwhelm the Alito, who tries to fire on the Cerritos, only to be thwarted by Mariner ship. Unable to take the combined firepower from the California class. Fleet, the Alito explodes, unable to get a single shot in on any of the other ships. Later, the Cerritos is under repair at Douglas Station once more, and Mariner comes aboard. And I like how it shows them uh, inserting the new warp core. Yeah, that, oh, was, that was really uh, cool. That was pretty cool, yeah. Um, so, entering the bar, uh, she approaches her friends, who are all overjoyed to see her once again. And are like, Mariner, and uh, she gives Boimler a big hug. 
Boimler apologizes for asking her to apologize for nothing for the whole news report thing from the previous episode. And she also walked right past uh, her girlfriend. I don't know if they broke up or not. I think they kind of did. I don't know. Yeah. Um, she didn't seem to acknowledge her. And like, uh, I Jennifer... mean, she was obviously getting gay with Aberdeen, right? Yeah, that's what yeah. I assume. Yeah, but yeah, Jennifer kind of like had like a like a like um had disappointed face like because uh, Mariner walked right by her. Yeah, I feel like all Andorians always have a disappointed face though. It's true. They're from because it's always too warm wherever they are. Oh uh, yeah. yeah. So Boimler apologizes for uh, yeah, um uh, apologizes for the whole news fiasco, saying that a taste of civilian life was needed, and that she's happy just to be back with them. Uh, Mariner is surprised that despite everything that's happened. Rutherford is still keeping his implant uh, that he says, uh, despite being used to cover up crimes, uh, he's still figuring out new sub menus and things that it can do. Yeah. What what would be the alternative for him? New implant probably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Or just not using that eye or something. Mm, Yeah. So McLemo then approaches Tendi commending her for standing up for science. Um, Her actions have impressed Starfleet command so much that they transfer a new officer to Lynn to join her training, mm-hmm. the Vulcan. Yeah. Um, Tendi introduces herself and pretends, uh, sorry, proceeds to get her acquainted with the rest of the crew, saying, meet my new study buddy. Shax approaches Boimler, and while Boimler once more tries to apologize for his earlier actions, Shax embraces him, saying that through Boimler, he was able to get everything he ever wanted, and tells him that he's now in the bear pack. Bear pack. And he's baby bear now. And uh, <laughs> Rutherford goes, oh, bears. Which made me very happy. Yeah. I'm excited for the next season to see like how the bear pack evolves. Oh, yeah. And... That's, yeah, that's true. Like Them as an away team as a bear pack would be very fun. Yeah. Um, so Mariner approaches Freeman, who tells her that she wants to reinstate Mariner. Um, Mariner hugs her, and Freeman finally apologizes, regretting not trusting her in the first place. Mariner tells her mom that she believes that she needed a little time away to find herself and is ready to get back on the right path. While she's not in any rush to become a captain or anything, she says she does want to be in Starfleet and maybe take things one step at a time. Step by step, day by day. Hell yeah, with Patrick Duffy. <laughs> yeah. Um, Mariner then asks for a mentor and requests Ransom to train her, which there's got to be a, I feel like a romance in there somewhere, right? Because it hinted did, in like it, the first season that they they're did, attracted yeah, to Yeah, they each did other. have uh, some sexual tension. Yeah. Yeah. So. And now I guess she's suppo- presumably not, uh, doesn't have a girlfriend now, but the her yeah. and Jennifer aren't dating. And also she seems to actually like, like Ransom now because before she hated working under Ransom, <clears> but now she's maybe, got, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah going on there um so and ransom was talking up the the bullion yeah he was yeah uh, yeah i mean bullions bullions are kind of hot though like i, I love mm. a bald bitch a bald <laughs> blue bitch though mm. Mm. i've never eaten blue so suppo- supposedly bullions do only eat a uh, rotted food rotted meat so it'll just be like breath be stinking it'll just be like fucking a freegan then right <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've Which we've all of, done. I fucked tons of girls in Capitol Hill. Trust me, <laughs> been there, done that. Yeah. Doesn't know? even phase me anymore. Half of them were bald too. So. <laughs> Adds a little bit of extra flavor. Oh yeah. Um. So. Ew. Mariner embraces um, Ransom in a headlock while Ransom is dismayed that he now has to be Mariner's uh, mentor again. Mm-hmm. 
Ramsey then addresses the combined crews of each California-class ship and says that while they faced impossible odds, they stood together and kicked impossible's ass, leading the crews to cheer for the California-class ship line. Credits roll. Woohoo! What do you think? Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. After credit hey. sequence. Uh, in the Kala system, debris from uh, the Pockled clump ship floats near a star. Among it, Rutherford's old implant and Shaq's, uh, that Shaq's ripped from his face. A green tractor beam locks onto it, and as it's pulled up, a brief glimpse of Badgie can be seen in the eyepiece. Dun 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 dun. Bum, bum. Yeah. Uh, what did you think? We're, yeah, we're gonna get some more Ellen, uh, Ellen uh, Purcell. What is his name in Thirty Rock? I don't know. Oh. Uh, I mean, it was a good episode. Uh, I mean, it was pretty obvious that this is where the episode was leading. The season was leading. It was very telegraphed. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was very telegraphed, and so didn't have too many surprises. I felt for me, like everyone yeah. kind of did what I expected. Yeah. Um. I mean, it was a good episode. Uh, I mean, the part with Shax was definitely my favorite. Yeah, the Shax. Like, I, I love, I love a big, I love a big, strong guy who's like his, his secret softy inside. Mm-hmm. Like that's my favorite kind of character. So yeah, especially like yeah, the the scene where he got to eject the warp core was actually like <laughs> the music was amazing. It just mm-hmm. like felt really heartfelt, and it just was it was a really feel good scene. Like yeah, it was unexpectedly, and I I watched the episode three times, and each time I'm like, oh, I feel. Oh, feel happy Aww. for him. Yeah, yeah, it's really, really yeah. sweet, actually. Yeah, we we all love Shacks. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was it. Was, I mean, it's not didn't end. Uh, you know, like you know, seasons one and two where you know on this big, yeah, big kind big, of cliffhanger, kind big of cliffhanger, big thing. I mean, obviously they set a lot of stuff up for next season. Oh like, yes, we have Peanut Hamper. Wait, what are you talking about? It didn't end on a cliffhanger. I mean, I guess it. Yeah, I mean, it ended on a cliffhanger, but like big, big, big thing. Yeah, but like, uh, but yeah, I mean, it did set up a lot of stuff for the next season. Like, you know, we have Badgie going to make a return. Yep. Like Peanut Hamper, possibly something evil, yep. evil, evil, uh, transporter clone of uh, Boimler. Right. Like uh, Section Thirty One. Yeah. So, I mean, and there's going to be some stuff for the next season. I'm pretty excited for, and then like you know, potential sexual tension between Ransom and Mariner, and. Uh, and then, like the a new character joining the cast, like uh, yeah, yeah, the new Vulcan. Mm-hmm. Lady. Yeah, yeah, that's true. They gotta find. Yeah, are they gonna add her? Is she gonna be like a fifth person in yeah, the crew? She, she was in the second season, wasn't she? In that briefly, yeah, yeah. So like, yeah, I guess she's like, um, yeah, I guess she's gonna return. In what capacity? Who knows? So that'd be fun. Yeah, but uh, I also liked it. Uh, this episode was not the strongest of the season, but it was no. still a good episode. Yeah, you know I, they got all their bangers out very early this season. Not like early. The, I'd, I'd say in the, the middle. Like I think episode yeah. four, five, and then seven were like my favorites by far. Mm-hmm. That was like the DS nine episode. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, there were some there were some good good episodes this season for sure. And yeah. overall, I think this season was easily the best season so far oh yeah the show. like yeah the like, music and the the um animation i felt yeah. were all top the production, notch the writing too the writing like, was excellent i felt like yeah there was a little more of a through line to the season mm-hmm. uh in less of because like the the other seasons kind of ended on a thing it was like its own one or two episode arc whereas like the this whole season kind of had a bunch of different little arcs that worked mm-hmm. into each other, which was pretty cool. And yeah, it felt yeah. very. It felt a lot more intentional than the previous seasons, and also like they they are finally very comfortable with their characters, mm-hmm. and they can you know they don't have to do 
character building and stuff like that. They it feels like they have a lot more freedom now to like mm-hmm. experiment and get cool with it. Yeah, the only thing I didn't feel was like um didn't didn't get more was like, you know, the whole bold boimler yeah thing that was going on like I guess like he, you know, was able to yell on the bridge and true to to bring attention to Shaxx. But it wasn't like, you know, this is the bold Boimler moment. And, you know, but but they might have set that up. Uh, we could definitely have a bold Boimler versus William Boimler. Yeah. Because I can definitely see that a lot more than a fucking uh, Bradward or Brad, Bradford? Bradward? Bradward, yeah. Bradward <laughs> Boimler. Yeah. Is, is that? Yeah, that's his name. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. Good. Yeah. yeah. Good set season. some stuff up. Good, good. Very good season, I think. Yeah, Easily very good. The, the best season of this show so far. And I'd actually say... I'm going to go ahead and say it. This is the second best season of New Trek, in my opinion. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I'd say uh, close third. It's probably Discovery Season 1 I liked a good bit. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I do like Discovery Season 1. Um, like, you know, Season 2 is obviously where it starts to go off the rails. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Big like, time. And like, uh, like, just really just lose the, lose the thread there and, like, uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, season, Discovery Season 1's good. Uh, I mean, obviously, like, you know, Strange New Worlds. Oh, yeah. Cut Top above deer. the rest. Cut above the rest. Mm-hmm. Picard somewhere Although d- down at the bottom. Although, honestly, like, <laughs> I, I would put Strange New Worlds. Oh, sorry. Um, uh, like, I, I would put this season of Lower Decks close to Strange New Worlds. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Strange New Worlds for me is still like maybe like a 9 out of 10 in terms of like my enjoyment, how I feel while I watch it, and like, mm-hmm. I guess replayability value, too. This is a good, you know, this season specifically was a good like eight, maybe 8.5. Whereas the previous seasons, first season was like a five, mm-hmm. second season was like six and a half. This yeah. one definitely stepped it up in terms of pretty much everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. Like at this point, like everyone's relationships are pretty much formed. And mm-hmm. and yeah, like everyone on the ship is extremely likable. Yeah. Like all the characters are likable. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you know. You know, you know what the, you know what they're going to say. And, you know, right. Same, same with Stranger Worlds. Like, the, like the cast was immediately likable and, mm-hmm. and identifiable, and then that's what you know. That's what you look for with like Star Trek programs. You look for like large cast of like of different characters and stuff, right. and how they interact with each other. So, yeah, that's what that's why I like about this. Hell yeah! Well. well. That was super fun, and that's the end of that season. So, um, with that, I guess maybe. We'll do uh, our picking a random episode now. Yeah, sure. Yeah, let's do that real quick. All right. Uh, let's get into that. Okie dokie. So, we ready to uh, get a random number? Yes. For a random episode? All right. So, the way we pick this, if you don't remember, if you're a new listener, uh, welcome. But also, um, the way we pick a random episode every week is we go ahead and uh, choose a number between 801 and 820, uh, since, you know, that's the number of episodes we've reviewed minus uh whatever you know and then choose the production order episode of that watch that review that so uh having said that without further ado let's go ahead and choose this so patrick you are our number generator machine let's go for it give us our first number first number and an episode we'll not be watching next week is 22 oh i guess we're not watching be the first season of tos yeah All right, uh, next number. Second number, also not watching this one, 448. Mm. It's probably, it's got to be Voyager or DS9. 
Mm. One of those middle ones. Mm. All right. And the final and third number and what we will be watching next week. Take it away, Patrick. Six hundred seventy. That's discovery, isn't it? I don't. It could be. I think it's. Wait. Let's see here. So. No, no, not quite. No, no. Uh, so discovery doesn't start until the seven hundreds. Oh, okay. Um, it is enterprise. Yes. <laughs> although, although enterprise season two. Okay. Episode sixteen, future tense. I literally just watched that episode. No shit. Yeah. Interesting. That's yeah. great. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> I think I remember it's it's a temporal mm. Cold War one, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, I think I remember it. I don't remember loving it, but whatever. Yeah. You know, it'll be fun to watch that. Cause as I said, I think earlier, like I, I haven't gone through and like rewatched pretty much any enterprise since mm-hmm. I watched it, you know, fucking probably eight years ago or something. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so stoked for that. So cool. uh, next week we'll be watching that. And, uh, also, uh, Star Trek prodigy, uh, mm-hmm. episode 12, 12 of, yeah. of season one. Alrighty. Have you done the done an Enterprise? Uh... We have not. This will be our first Enterprise episode. So we've cool. we've done almost everything. Uh, we haven't done a Picard, other than of course we uh, yeah. did the for, uh, the second season, the entire mm-hmm. thing all the way through. Uh, we haven't done uh, animated. No, but I haven't really seen the animated one. I have it all on my server yeah, uh, I'll, in I'll like 1080. It. It's it's fine. It's obviously a kid show. It takes its time. Like. We'll probably if we ever get one of those episodes, and it's gonna it's gonna be pretty rare because when you think about it, like they only have like thirty episodes of that show. Uh, mm-hmm. First Star Trek, they have like eighty something episodes. Fucking TNG, DS Nine, and Voyager all have a hundred and seventy ish episodes. That's r- that's and, sick. And so basically, whenever we do a random number thing, we've got a one in five chance of getting one of those shows each. So yeah. we've got more than a 50% chance of getting golden era Trek. And then everything is kind of an outlier. This is the first enterprise we've ever gotten. Uh, last week was our first discovery we've ever gotten. Yeah. Um, uh, obviously we're not doing one this week cause we're going to be doing prodigy as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a uh, super interesting. Also, we haven't done Picard. Uh, we've done one lower decks, um, before, you know, we actually did the mm-hmm. full season of lower decks. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, we've gotten pretty much everything except for, yeah, this is our first Enterprise, and we haven't done animated series, which sucks because the animated series one, I thought up a song for it, like, when we first started this podcast, and mm-hmm. it's been in my head, and I still haven't recorded it. You gotta get out of your head. It's, I mean, it's 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 gonna be maybe the best of the, the songs. Oh, God. It's, I mean, it's perfect. Now I really want to get one of those uh, animated episodes. Yeah. I'm going <laughs> to pause this real quick just so I can sing it to you because it's amazing. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Amazing, right? Uh, he just sang it for me and it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, <laughs> yeah, you, you'll just have to wait for that one. It's like, but the thing is there's only like 30 episodes of that show. So out of 800, we've got like a one in one in 25 to one in 30 chance of ever watching one of those. Mm. So it's like, I mean, we've had about that many episodes now of with yeah. random episodes in it. So so eventually maybe we'll get it. By law of averages, we have to, you know, maybe within the next 50 episodes watch one of them. But yeah. I'm not counting on it still. Yeah. Uh, there is a, a Cation in there, like a, a Cation mm-hmm. officer. Which yeah, in, in the comic, she, she's in love with Sulu. 
awesome. Yeah, she, like she she wants to bang Sulu. Get down, get down, push her, push her. <laughs> yeah, so I, I don't know if Sulu ever acted on it though. No, so so that's a thing. I was uh, reading a thing today actually about uh, the whole Sulu being gay controversy and how mm-hmm. he didn't want to be gay in the films, basically, mm-hmm. because in uh, his thing was like, well, fucking Gene Roddenberry. Like his vision was that Sulu was straight, and so you're just like taking a shit on that. And also, you don't know that you don't know that for sure. And also, it's so performative that that yeah. was more than anything. It's just like it was performative, and it was like, oh well, Takei is gay. Let's make his character gay. Mm-hmm. And they could have done it with literally any other character. Yeah, it was not brave to do that. It was <laughs> the least brave thing to make the gay actor's character gay. Not brave. I want them to make Kirk bisexual in the next season of uh, of Strange New Worlds. In my opinion, Kirk is canonically bisexual. Yeah, right? he, de- he de- you know, there's lots of you know, like you know, you know, these guys were you know, historians will look back and be like, oh, these very good friends. It's very sophic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like these these two these two guys that just hang out hung out all the time. Yeah, but but that would be nice to just like actually have that because like you know, do it. Yeah, like be be brave. Be brave. Like, yeah. Do it. Do it. I mean, we which is crazy. Like we had the first gay couple and the first gay kiss in all of Star Trek and Star Trek Discovery. Oh, um, Jadzia kissed a woman. Oh yeah. Well, I'm I'm talking about gay men. Well, oh but, yeah, yeah. But that that was that was a bisexual kiss. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so you know. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah, yeah it didn't happen. Stamets has never kicked a, kissed a woman, so he's no. only had gay kisses <laughs> on the show, right? <laughs> but yeah, like it feels like it should have. Like I feel like a lot of people, like uh, you look back and like you know a lot of people were calling for that back in um and uh TNG like like there was talk of like having like uh like I think in one I think in uh an episode where you know Data is like you know experience you know experiencing like you know romantic love. Mm-hmm. Like like when talking to Guinan, there was supposed to be like a gay couple in Ten Forward, but Hell you know yeah. R- Rick Berman, you know, whoosh, <laughs> shut that shut that down. You should have turned that uh, Ten Forward into a Ten Four skin. You know what I'm saying, baby? <laughs> uh, make 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 their own docking station up in the bar. You know what I'm saying, baby? <laughs> Hell yeah! Hell now yeah. we're talking. Now we're talking. Put it in my foreskin. Put it in my foreskin, <laughs> Guinan. You think Guinan has a penis? You know, we don't know. We could never know. Yeah, I mean, um, what, uh, what, what, what's her species called? Can't remember. Illyrian. Um, Guinan. Yeah, Guinan. <laughs> well, I mean, her, her, she has the word "guy" in her name, right? Oh yeah. Got to have a penis. Yeah. And that's something she that she's not called Girlman. <laughs> well, you know, we sh- uh, definitely like confront her in person about this. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's confront Whoopi Goldberg. Confirm or deny. <laughs> Let's stalk Whoopi Goldberg and ask her if Guyton has a penis. And that's how we both went to jail. <laughs> Again. <laughs> Again. Uh, I mean, it'd be a good way to make a name for ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and a bunch of listeners to our podcast. Mostly journalists, but you know. Yeah. Still listeners. Download to download. Yeah. Man, those are influential people. A lot of them have blue check marks on Twitter, which is now owned by Elon Musk. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, uh, I wonder if it'll... Like start selling those, like everyone can just have a blue check mark if they. Just... He was kind of talking about that. He was saying people yeah. who have Twitter blue should be able to just have the check mark, and I was like, yeah. "Oh, gross!" Yeah, like that's a thing. Like free speech is just like a, a like a thing to generate income. It's just like mm-hmm. it's like a, a thing that you. No, free speech is a commodity. Yeah, yeah, it is just a commodity. He's trying it's... to commoditize 
commoditized free speech. Yeah. It's disgusting. Free 99 speech. <laughs> oh, I like that. <sighs> well, speaking of speech, you want to do a Klingon word of the day, my brother? Hells yeah! It's the Klingon word of the day. Today's Klingon word is nep. 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 Okay. I came. Okay. We're done now. Nep means to lie or lying. So you could say Elon Musk nep when he inflates the value of his companies. Ooh, I like that. Or in the... Uh, Thompson Twins original Klingon naps 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 yeah (laughs) (laughs) I like that yeah thank you yeah yeah so that's a word you can use it anytime you want nep is like yeah mean liar line no matter how you use it cool well we love that Uh, so with that and since we have the random episode for next week you want to get into some subspace transmissions my friend I can dig it Subspace transmissions. Subspace transmissions. Hey, it's subspace transmissions. It is that part of the show where we look at comments from the internet. Usually, IMDb reviews and the such. But you know what? The two episodes uh, we watched this week were so new they didn't have fucking synopsises on Memory Alpha. They didn't have reviews at all on IMDb. So we had to go to the dirty, dank, dark dungeons of Reddit. No. No. <laughs> um, so if you found us on Reddit, by the way, fuck you. Now, uh, thanks for being here. We, we appreciate yeah. your support. Um, but, um, but also, our Reddit is like, yeah, it's pretty big. People people are into our Reddit, which is weird. People do love that Reddit. They do love the Reddits and uh, what we do on there. We offer some something very uh, unique, which is uh, a fucking a message board that isn't afraid to say that everyone on Star Trek has at least one penis. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, we're fearless in that way. Yeah, and, the, and then the penises don't always need to be where you would usually expect to find them. They could be on your shoulder. Or your knee. Or your knee. So, oh. oh, hey, uh, callback, Star damn. Trek Five, you motherfucker. Six, six you're right. Yeah. Wait, was it six? Yeah, Star Trek Five was the god one. Yeah, it was. Yeah, Star Trek Oh, yeah, six. that's, the, okay, yeah. yeah. When he's, sold a, when he's in slavery. the prison. Yeah, yeah. Okie doke, so first we have a comment here from TrekFan74, says... Man, what's up with Starfleet and evil AIs? It's like they are all meant to be evil. Picard and Discovery spent an entire season with AIs trying to wipe out the galaxy, and Lower Decks has had nothing but bad AI, from Badgie to the Texas-class drones. Peanut Hamper is not evil, but a slight circuit loose somewhere. Kind of evil. Very selfish. So that's the thing is like, what is evil to you? I would say like you know disregard for life and just and yeah. and so and like selfishly 
Um, so that's that. That's yeah. it for me. Is it comes down to extreme selfishness. Yeah, that's what evil is to me. Mm-hmm. Is when you put you and your concerns above everyone else, no matter what their situation. Mm-hmm. It's it's uh, evil is complete lack of empathy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, yeah, which is that. And yeah. so I don't know. Uh, Peter Hopper's evil. I'd yeah, say. and I think it definitely like. Yeah, um, you know, that one episode definitely hinted that, like, you know, Peanut Hopper, Hamper, like, seemed to be just, like, you know, just shitty. Yeah, and self-serving. <laughs> self-serving, but, but not this... outright evil, but next, but that's hinting at her evil turn. Right, right, because she went, because, you know, she's con- now conspiring with another robot. But yeah. she is actually pretty evil. Yeah. I mean, like, if you consider, like, what human evil is, like... Yeah, evil on when you scale it. Yeah, you can say, oh yeah, Hitler was evil, obviously. But mm-hmm. you know, there's everyday evil too. Yeah. I mean, we both worked for an evil man at we Whole did. Foods. Yeah, like someone who like but Whole Foods. Yeah, like someone who I'm, I'm <laughs> absolutely certain is an evil person just based on like all of their actions. Oh know? yeah, I mean he and yeah and, and and not only is he evil, he also dresses like a fucking nerd. <laughs> yeah, he does. What a <laughs> fucking dork ass. Like just like little little khaki shorts and yeah. dumb little shirts. Yeah, which. I mean, those, yeah, khaki shorts. How do you find shorts in his size? Aren't everything know. shorts? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, anyway, sorry. Trek Fan 74 continues. Data seems to be the only AI that's actually good, but then lore is around. So, the only thing more cliche on Star Trek than bad AIs are, of course, bad admirals, LOL. Mm-hmm. I think we all saw Admiral Buenamigo going into mustache twirling mode after last episode, mm. and he went full bad, LOL. But it's actually the first bad admiral in modern Star Trek since uh, Star Trek Into Darkness and Admiral Marcus. So it's been a while. Yeah, it has been a bit, minute. I mean, I, I guess Admiral, but I mean, like Star Trek Picard season one had evil. Uh, she was a commandeer, some director. Oh, yeah, yeah. She was the, 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 the she was secret Rama. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so that they have had that kind of. Yeah, I mean, shit. like Discovery has a good at very good Admiral, you know, played by uh, the dude who was like the gigolo and and uh, Deuce Bigelow, male gigolo. Oh, Rob Schneider. Not not Rob Schneider, the original the- Gigolo. <laughs> this summer, Rob Schneider <laughs> is a star. <laughs> star Trek, Rob Schneider. Star Trek, Rob Schneider. What if Rob Schneider was an admiral? In a world where <laughs> Rob Schneider is a Star Trek admiral. But the guy was also in The Mummy, which we all love the Mummy movies. Oh, hell yeah. We and, do. Uh, and I've he- got mummy issues. Yeah, I've got mummy issues. <laughs> But he was like the uh, he was the handsome dude with the beard, like mm. that's part of the secret society. Mm. But yeah, he's 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 a he's a good admiral in uh, in Discovery. Yeah. Well. Anyway, so um, uh, fi- Trek fan seventy four wraps up overall a good finale and wrapped everything well. Not my favorite. I think season two is best, but still good. And yes, Talyn finally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everyone really liked Talyn when she was introduced in the, that one episode. I don't even really remember her, to be honest. <laughs> no, she yeah, she was uh when it was showing like the Vulcan ship and the Klingon ship, and yeah. like showing the lower decks from other. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I I I kind of remember it, but it, it was just like yeah. unmemorable to me. I didn't. I, yeah, like, I do remember like online, everyone was going like, "We love her." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, okay. I was just like, oh. I mean, "That's cool." I like I like Vulcan stuff. 
And Vulcan yeah. stuff is always fun and funny, and I don't think they have really had any Vulcans on their ship, really, so far in the show. No, I don't think I'm trying so. Trying to think. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it. But yeah. So that's always fun. They can, there's a lot of humor to be had in Vulcans. You know, fucking Spock was the original comic relief besides mm-hmm. McCoy yeah. on fucking Star Trek, so... Um. <laughs> Anyway, um, next we have a comment from Short Historian. Uh, says, The complete California class. <clears throat> the Cerritos, the Oakland, the Alhambra, the San Diego, the San Clemente, the Sherman Oaks, the Vacaville, the Burbank, the Fresno, the Santa Monica, the San Jose, the Sacramento, the Culver City, the Anaheim, the Riverside, the Vallejo, the Sa- uh, West Corvina, the Pacific Palisades, the Redding, the Eureka, the Mount Shasta, the Mercred, the Carlsbad, and the Inglewood. R.I.P. to the Rubido and the Solvang. Uh, Memory Alpha also lists the Bakersfield and the Ventura, which were not mentioned in the mm. episode. Interesting. You should have had a 101 because everyone's obsessed with the 101. Yeah. Went down that highway. Oh, yeah. yeah. They fucked up there. <laughs> <sighs> Hope someone's children get kidnapped for that also, mistake. N- no Los Angeles? What the fuck? Yeah, LA sucks. <laughs> You ever been there? I wonder <laughs> if LA even survived. No San Francisco either. Like the, I think the biggest yeah. city they had in there was uh, San Diego. Yeah, Did they have a San Diego. I don't know. Yeah, but they, yeah, like but I wonder if LA even survived like the eugenics wars. Oh and god, stuff. I hope not. <laughs> Although at the same time, I don't want to give Tool fans what they want. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> All right. Uh, next, we have Lemon Wizard has a comment here. It says. Um, People on other planets must pay latinum for real earth wine. Cisco makes it pretty clear that replicated food is bland compared to the real thing. Having real wine instead of replicated wine is probably a luxury in a lot of places. Having real wine that was naturally grown in France by a famous hero of the Federation is probably like Dom Perignon of the 24th century. In Picard, the specific amount of Rios's fees never ever stated, but were certainly led to believe that renting a warp-capable starship is not something the average person would have the means to do. I think we can pretty safely confirm that Chateau Picard is a profitable business, and I love that we now see that, canonically, Picard is using his resources to fund a cause dear to his heart. Fun canon reference all around that feels very in character. You know, I think I think this is actually a, a comment from the next episode we're reviewing. <laughs> Was it? Did no, we, was no, because no, remember they referenced like that that uh, Picard was um, funding uh, Petra Aberdeen. That's, that's true. That's true. Yeah, this was definitely. You're right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I'm like. Uh, okay. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Okay. I uh, yeah. I I guess I read this comment earlier, but didn't even really take it to heart <laughs> when I copied it. That's cool. That's good. Good job, me. Good job. Yeah. Like, uh, but I kind of wonder. Like, that I makes mean, sense, as, yeah. as a Starfleet admiral, though, he probably does just have like access to the resources of the federation so it's just like yeah but like you can't really do an endowment for something like 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 this i don't think with that like it's something that maybe they would have grants for but it does make sense that's where he gets his money is from selling booze but is he making money selling chateau picard stuff he has to i mean it's because because like you know there's there's synthahol but people actually like real alcohol and will actually pay money in latinum for it Mm. in in this society it seems because mm. people will pay real money for romulan ale that's like a delicacy yeah. i assume earth wine is also a delicacy because earth wine red wine is generally like you know the best alcohol earth has to offer or whatever so that makes sense to me it's one of those luxury mm. items that is like you know you drink and piss it right out so 
Yeah. And it's only there for pleasure. So it makes sense that that would still be commodified, maybe. Yeah. I, I agree with that comment, actually. Thank you, Lemon Wizard. Well done. <laughs> Next, we have a comment with a response. Oh, boy. Uh-huh. Uh, Zuriel45 says... I loved the scene of all the departments prepping for the race and Command is just busy learning the Riker maneuver. <laughs> Which is, yeah, that was pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, Martel732 responds, I feel like this is a joke about how Command is easily the least defined department in Starfleet. Engineering, medical, security, etc. All have easy to understand jobs. While the lower ranked Command officers are usually just piloting or booping some buttons in the background especially given the other departments have their own command structure. For instance, Rutherford is under the command of Billups rather than being under a command officer, which is true. It makes yeah. me wonder, like, yeah, what are the command positions? Like, there are, I mean, obviously there's, like, lower deck stuff, but, like, what do they actually do? I guess, like, they go on away missions, mm -hmm. and they're they're helpful in that respect. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, like, what do, what do lower-ranked ones actually do? do because there seems to be a lot of them right yeah just run errands maybe just be interns <laughs> yeah yeah and so I, I agree with all those those comments there it's, yeah it's interesting yeah um command command does seem like not very it's all managers it's all it's all professional managerial class mm -hmm. type people and so i guess it makes sense because at least in our modern society there are a ton of managers on every level not yeah most of whom's jobs are mostly to completely useless. Mm -hmm. They're just managing people who have no problem managing themselves. Yeah. They're just like putting them under different business constraints, keeping tabs and figuring out ways to fire undesirable <laughs> people mm -hmm. uh, and promote who they want from within to create a structure that reinforces their ideas and the hierarchy that they want. Mm -hmm. Just like every company. And, you know, I've, I've, I got kind of high in management in one company. And I'm like, oh, this is evil. Yeah. <laughs> and so I said, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that at all anymore, which uh, I'm, yeah, I'm much less stressed out now. That, and I feel like they are making a good point. Like, I mean, like, I do wish, like, they would differentiate between medical and science and security and engineering. Yes. Because, like, they're both, like, they both have, they, all those positions have very specific duties, but medical and science have the same color and also and, then, and security and engineering have the same color. Right. And also I feel like security is closer to a command type position, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Cause you're like keeping rules in order in some way mm -hmm. and it's an executive position, just like, you know, the police ultimately work for their city, their city works for their state, the state works for the country. And so, you know, basically all cops work for the president. And all people in the military work for the president. He's, he's the executive. And so, like, mm. all the people in the security should be work, like, in the executive command, right? You figure. But instead, they're in, quote-unquote, operations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they're with engineering and also uh, ops, which is, like, what, what data does, mm -hmm. which is checking sensors and operating power levels basically and, and mm -hmm. ship systems and how they yeah. relate to one another based on the power available mm -hmm. um which is very far away from security yeah <laughs> like especially especially when you consider security handles both 
ship weapon. So like firing at things in space, but also like the brig and stuff like that. And so, and yeah. And, uh, and then also like a lot of times out of the forefront of like any sort of like, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, battle, right. like physical battle and everything. Right. right. And so, and so security really covers the whole gamut from like, you know, you're running a battleship or doing like the weapons on a battleship and also like local cops. Yeah. Like they, they're all of those things. Yeah. And like that, I mean, feels like you should have weapon security, which is part of engineering. Right. And then like physical security, which would definitely be part of command because mm-hmm. that's start, part of, ship operations and ship command operations. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's uh, there needs to be more colors. Yeah, no, straight up. Yeah. We need we need a, a purple. You need yeah. a purple. Yeah, cuz like yeah, and like in, in lower decks like, you know, Shax and Billups both have the same color. And they have very different jobs. Very different jobs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um so next we have uh, several comments here. A little commentary. Uh Maddie Magpies says Admiral Picard? No way! That's why he got his profit table in his chateau. Okay. Uh, next, Uncertain Era says in response, It makes a ton of sense, though I wonder at how the economics of it works. Does Picard sell his wine outside the Federation? Does he have an investment portfolio with the Bank of Belias? Did Q make a ton of latinum appear in his basement? Uh, Bob 3003 says, I think it was more that as an Admiral Picard was able to use some of his weight in Starfleet to shift resources towards supporting the guild funded as in given the means to carry out their mission. And McDLT man says, right. He probably just authorized having the Federation fund them. It's like hiring a contractor to do a task. And it off humanitarian, so Starfleet is probably happy to support them. Also, it said Admiral Picard, which seems like it was done very officially instead of a personal project for him. Yeah. I I actually go back more to uh, what Lemon the Wizard said. I, I do agree with Chateau Picard probably makes money, and he has money there. I'm going to go with that theory. That's a, that's the best theory, in my opinion. Yeah, cause it, yeah, he makes the money, and what does he need it for? So exactly. It's like, like, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> it's like, well, I everything I need is provided for me, so. Indeed. All right. So, finally, uh, we have a comment from the nerd chaplain that we will uh, close on because it's long. Yeah, holy shit. Uh, here we go. So, nerd chaplain says, I'm so glad this was the season finale and not the previous episode like I thought. I'm glad we've mostly solved the mystery of Rutherford's implant and his past before it. I'm glad we have more insight into Starfleet and the Federation's attitude towards AI leading into season one of Picard. Speaking of, although they didn't get the actual actor and Magnuson, I'm pretty sure the head of that admiralty board is Admiral Sheer fucking Hubris Clancy from season one of Picard. Also, I'm a little surprised they didn't bring back Jack McBrayer in the Texas AI class, even if he was doing a banty voice. Uh, that was the guy you were talking about. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Sovereign class Van Kidders appears to be named after John Van Kidders, the developer of the Starfleet Operations Manual, and later the vice president of product development at CBS, mm-hmm. which is actually a really cool reference. I yeah. really like that. Yeah, like, that's cool. 
big, big, uh, big ups to like everyone who writes Star Trek books, but especially the technical manuals and shit. Like yeah. the Okudas are awesome. Fucking that Larry mm-hmm. Nemechek who wrote the, the operations manuals that mm-hmm. dude fucking rocks. He's, he's actually pretty cool on Twitter. Mm. He's one of the few Star Trek people who's not like, who's actually like, uh, you know, on the left without being like super neoliberal all the time. Mm. I, I appreciate it. Uh, sorry, continuing on on the uh, thing. Uh, that title is misleading. The MA article gives a lot more context as to why he has a ship named after him. It greatly amused me that Admiral Picard was secretly funding the archaeology missions and not some cabal. Um, this does feel like a real turn in the story overall for Lower Decks. Mariner now has a refreshed commitment to Starfleet. Boimler is confident enough to tell the captain to shut up. And he has a bridge buddy. Tindy has her own newbie to train, Talyn from the fantastic Wedge Douche. And Rutherford knows who he is and where he came from. This feels like it closes a lot of the arcs that were set up in season one. Beckett is even giving Ransom a variation of the training speech at the end of the episode, like she did Boimler at the end of the pilot when she called him a Chandish. All in all, another excellent job from Mike McMahon, Tony Newsom, Jack Quaid, Noah Wells, Eugene Cordero, and the rest of the Cerritos crew. Can't wait to see more on the Prodigy. <laughs> Edit that post-credit scene was something else. Wowee! Oopie doopie! <laughs> yeah, well, that's uh, that's. I mean, not all the internet had to say about that, but uh, that was that was that was. That was something, all right. That was uh, breaking off something good, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Break me something good. Uh, yeah, so I guess uh, that's that. I think we're getting a little bit near the end of the show, aren't we? I think so. And I think with that, before we say goodbye, we need to g- say goodbye to some folks, or some folk, just one guy, who gave the ultimate sacrifice. Mm-hmm. It's time for... Redshirt obituary. Well, the away team was in a pinch, and somebody had to die. But so thanks a lot, time to beam up to that big red shirt in the sky. Oh boy, redshirt obituary time. Today we remember Captain Clark Terrell, our highest ranking redshirt so far, who commanded mm. the USS Reliant for Starfleet until his death in 2285. Although technically a suicide. And technically a maroon color. Maroon shirt. <laughs> and I guess technically this still might have been the era where command was yellow or gold. So. Mm. Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess technically you're right, but <laughs> technically, <laughs> technically, fuck you. <laughs> Don't you dare hijack my obituary. No. You son of a bitch. Uh, uh, so, although technically a suicide, Captain Terrell succumbed to injuries sustained by a self-inflicted phaser wound, but not before being driven mad by a larva placed in his ear by none other than Khan Noonien Singh. Oh my god. However, he died a hero, fighting the temptation to kill Captain Kirk, which is a temptation I personally would give into. Oh yeah, I wouldn't even need a brain worm. Oh no, I like <laughs> no, like the brain, like Connor'd be like, no, don't kill him, no, not yet, and I'd be like, I gotta, I have to look at him. <laughs> and then you wouldn't shoot yourself; you'd just go through with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very. I'd be like, no, this was a brain worm. I'm fucking Manchurian. Can't uh, please? No, I didn't do it. Uh, 
So, um, rest in peace among the stars, Captain Terrell, and thanks for your contribution to the greater good. I guess. Hey, that's our goddamn show. All right. Hey, where can we find you online if we want to stalk you and maybe uh, send you pictures of our taint? I, yeah, I haven't had any taint pictures yet. What? I know. What about the ones I... Oh, you have uh, me blocked. You have me blocked. Yeah, I, I do, the, I do. Yeah, the you sent me. Picture. You sent me taints. Well, uh, one taint too many, sir. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I taint kidding. This is too many of them. <laughs> Your taint misbehaving. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm on Instagram at uh, Potomac Bomb and also Twitter, I guess, you know, for the time e- Excuse being. me. Elon Musk's Twitter. Elon Musk Twitter by Elon Musk. Uh, Hashtag Elon Musk's Twitter. <laughs> uh, at Potomac Bomb as well. So, Excellent. yeah, like follow me on Instagram if you like stupid memes that I think of. Oh, and you also put your stuff on uh, on Reddit on oh, our yeah. subreddit. That's true. Which uh, you should go to our subreddit, which is at Soytrek, or you mm-hmm. know what? Maybe our Facebook, which is at Soytrek, which oh, you also yeah. post on, or maybe you know our fucking Instagram at Soytrek. <laughs> Holy shit. Holy or, shit. How about our YouTube? Guess what that is? Soy trade? Oh, you got it, motherfucker. Oh, my God. Safe guess. Uh, anywhere <laughs> at Soy Trek, hit us up. Uh, except for Patreon, we have that under patreon.com slash dumb idiot BS. Uh, and, you know, big shout out to uh, all of our Patreon folks. Now that we do two episodes a week, Although we have two new ones this week, so we're going to release both these episodes in tandem. Uh, we, you know, usually release one a watch after episode on Friday or Saturday. Mm-hmm. And then we've got another one that comes out on Tuesday morning. Uh, and if you want that one early, and if you want our all of our podcasts in the highest quality possible, go to patreon.com slash dumbidiotbs. And a big shout out to... Um, let me see here. Uh, Patreon. Uh, there we go. Patreon. So, Patreon. Yes. Yeah. So a uh, big shout out to our uh, $5 and above supporters mm. uh, who really help make this motherfucker happen. God damn it. I, uh, I'll mention them on the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. But, uh, but, ne- but let's just say. We love you. Yeah, they're all. We sick. love you. They're we want to s- kiss you. They're all sick, and they have uh, tasty genitals, from what I hear. Hmm. Okay. Cool. If they're into having tasty genitals, I mean, not for like cannibalism, but like yeah, oral sex. Yeah. <laughs> Still eat them. All right, I'm sorry. <laughs> Captain's log supplemental. Well, that's all, folks. Looks like it's time for us to warp away. Be well, travel safe, and as Ferengi rule of acquisition number 62 says, the riskier the road, the greater the profit. Greater the chode. Oh, yeah. (laughs) The riskier the road, the greater the roadhead. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying, dog, yeah. Life is a highway. Do you want to give me some road head? I want to get sucked all night long. Yeah. <laughs> Life is a highway. It's been a long road <laughs> from here to there. Yeah, there you, that's what I'm saying. All righty. Well, thanks for trekking with the soy boys, girls, and other worldly beans. Hang, Hang dong, dong and shocker. shocker.